Good people of Los Angeles, tonight on the FCFC FSA FSA podcast, we have the one, the only, Benchy of LAFC fame, of Dorsum fame, of formerly of Kicks of the Pitch fame, of Koreatown fame. Man, Slim, we get into a lot of great stuff on this podcast. We got choppers overhead, as always, coming through for the intros. They don't care if we're doing the intro. They don't care if we're doing the most important interview to date. Uh, we, you know, we drink some tea, we drink some tequila, we talk a lot about, I mean, everything from children's books to the fashion side of things, how, how some of these scarf designs come up, the limited edition stuff at the LAFC HQ, ton of stuff, inside stuff on how all of that works on, on the fashion side. And Ben was just, I mean, he brought Josh a gift. This has just been a great podcast, great night. Great night. Um, and as usual, guys, like we said, we are in the backyard, ghetto birds. We're kind of in heavy rotation today. T- today, tonight, that was a weird combination of the word. And as usual, uh, we got potty mouths on the pod. Uh, me and Ben, we like to cuss. We had a little sprinkling in from Dweez and Josh, too. I'm just keeping this intro going a little longer because Josh looks so fucking sleepy and miserable that I just want to keep him here a little longer. Hey, you know what I realized? Potty mouth. Potty mouth. Oh, pot. I know, I'm the worst. All right, that was terrible. Hey, guys. <laughs> Cut that, Sean. Hey. What, what the f- What the fuck? FCFC. Welcome to the FCFC pod, where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. As per usual, we are joined by the ghetto birds flying above. We got Josh Spice to my left, Mr. A. Dwee sitting across from me, and a very special guest today. Uh, probably the person that if I didn't have him as a co-worker, I probably wouldn't be as into football as I am now. You wouldn't be here right now. I probably wouldn't be here right now. So, without further ado... Mr. Benchy. We talk about you probably every other episode. Well, it's it's about time you guys get the person that's most important. (laughs) The the best ratings and the longest podcast for this one. Let's let's see how it goes. I'm calling it out, dude. I'm calling it out. So, not too long ago we started, you know, our first usual question is, what are some (laughs) of your first football memories? Oh, I thought it was going to be a YLA. No, 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 we're not rich. Okay. Oh, thank God. Uh, <laughs> we love you, Rich, for sick of the question. <laughs> My first football memory is, uh, wow, I would say when I was living in Korea, um, my uncle would go play soccer with a lot of his buddies at a local elementary. And in Korea, there's not a lot of places that had grass at that time because they weren't making that much investments into soccer fields especially in like schools and stuff so they would just play in the sand um and then they got a local gas station to uh to sponsor their team (laughs) and then he would just be super good so he'd bring home all these trophies all the time and then the player that he uh 
the first ever soccer player name that I've uh, known or was familiar with is uh, Romario. Ah, yeah. Shout out to Romario. And then was that your uncle bringing that up? Yeah, yeah. He would just be like Romario, Romario. And then so then we would buy like beach balls because you know things would break inside the house. Mm-hmm. So we'd buy like those inflatable beach balls and like the the pattern of a watermelon or something, and mm-hmm. we would just kick the ball around. And then he would just show me. And then I would just go on the bed and then do overhead kicks. That's my first uh, football game. How old were you then? I probably said I was like four, five at that time. Sand? I so it's on the beach? No, 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 no. Sand, like, it would just be dirt. Sorry, okay. not sand. Dirt. Yeah, dirt. Sorry, yeah, dirt. Yeah. So, countryside Korea. You, were, you, grew, you grew up in Korea? I was born in L.A., on 4th and Ardmore in Koreatown. Yeah. And then my parents split up when I was three years old. And then we flew to Korea. My mom, me and my mom uh, flew to Korea. And then I lived with her for about six years. And then I came here when I was nine. So I went to elementary in Korea. I went to kindergarten in Korea. So when I came here, I didn't know how to speak English. All I knew was like Ninja Turtles and and then random shit like that. Yeah. And you came back to Koreatown when you, when you came back? Or? Yeah, I lived on 3rd and Harvard. When I came back, mm. yeah, Dude, yeah. you were there for a long time. You, 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 you set him up with the. If I wasn't, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. So now we gotta know. We first met when I was in sixth grade. Yeah, so, so I was in eighth how old grade. Are you in sixth grade, twelve. Is it twelve years old when you're in sixth grade? Ten, eleven, probably. No. Yeah, I would, so I would say twenty years. I would, I've known Sam for twenty years. Yeah, we didn't like each other at first, or I didn't like him. <laughs> you guys were classmates. No, no, no. So we met at a. Um, oh fuck. <laughs> at a church camp. Okay. Uh, so it was like, yeah. Uh, if you don't know anything about Koreans, we all know each other through church. <laughs> Three degrees separation. Uh, so we went to this church camp where a bunch of different churches come out to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. Ben was a real little asshole when he was a kid, man. <laughs> like, like you say, he came here not knowing any English, so he probably had a chip on his shoulder. He was like really skinny. Just an angry ass kid growing up. No, no, I, 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 I beg to differ. <laughs> but yeah. how, how do you remember it, Ben? I, I just remember me as uh, uh, a kid that just was fascinated by a lot of things in America. <laughs> you know That's what I mean? That's not how Sam <laughs> <laughs> Every time Sam has told this story, it's always. Yeah, no, no. Sam time. fucking loves to milk this story and paint me as like this fucking villain, dude. I was, I was in sixth grade. Maybe I was fucking going through shit. All right. I came back and my fucking mom and dad were. Divorced but that lasted until you were like seventeen. It lasted till now, <laughs> even till now. So whatever, dude. So we were really friends until yeah, like pretty much you turned 17, 18. No, 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 no. Um, so. Sixth grade, and then we went to Philadelphia for that one, uh, for that one conference, and that oh, was. Oh, that's when you were sixteen. I was eighteen. No, no, no. That was way before because that was in two thousand two. In Philadelphia, it was after the World Cup. I remember wearing my ninety four, no, sorry, ninety eight uh, Korea jersey to that conference. Mm-hmm. What got, conference? You got, you got gear on you, Sam. Um, it was in Villanova. Yeah, I, years marked by gear. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely wasn't wearing any. Hey, let's let's push some narrative back the other direction. What was he like when you first met him? He was definitely a lot fatter. <laughs> he was fucking fat. Like, For real? Yeah. Even in your younger years? Oh my god! Yeah, like, I was he a was. Fat boy. No, he was. I was cute, dog. I was pudgy. Nah, dude, you Fuck are fat. You. Like I, 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 <laughs> I actually had like a dedicated post to him about his birthday, and I was like going back and like really like cleaning up my Instagram, you know. So mm-hmm. then I was going back and I was archiving on a whole bunch of shit. And then I have like this picture of him when he was fat, and I was like, "What the fuck?" 
Like he looked like the Michelin man, like just with for the little, people that don't color. know what I look like. I'm still fat, so don't get it twisted. Like, no, he was fatter. Like he right now, he's like fat. He's cute now. But <laughs> I, I wouldn't use the word fat. I'm not just trying to big, big you up either. I just like yeah. He picked yeah. me up. Wow, man. Good wordplay. You're like a you're like a you're yeah. like fullback size, you know. <laughs> There's a running speedy running back in front of you. you get well, I mean, I thought you were talking about NFL right now. I was, I was. Like, wow, do we? Oh, fullback. Yeah, like a tailback fullback. <laughs> wow. yeah, Josh is so impressed Holy that we just made a fucking. Do <laughs> so you guys want to talk about the reference. Jets for the rest of the podcast? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah, like I don't know football. Nathan, but wait. So, yeah, for those of you who aren't listening, I can say as a neutral here that you know, slim. You're, all right, we're t- spending way too much time on my weight. No, no, no. Okay, but <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to like. But what was he like? <laughs> how did he? How did he use it? You called him. Oh, oh, I was oh. the best fat person you ever. Oh, met. so like, how was he? Yeah, was he like warm and like, hey? Oh man, yeah, like, you must not know what's like, going on. You can be my friend and be super nice. Yeah, no. First of all, Sam was really, really friendly. He was really, really outgoing. He was very popular, and he was very, very holy. Um, <laughs> and he. One thing he's always known how to do, and this is how I always kick it off, is he always knew how to dance. <laughs> like, he has some fucking weird like tendon thing going on where all of his body is made out of tendons instead of bones. So then he has like no like rigid movement at all. Everything is just always fluid and shit. And then he spent like a brief stint in Atlanta, and then that just like fucking drove him over to the most Dude. like. America's best dance crew wannabe over here. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, you know, I mean, now he's really, really bad because, you know, Jesus has left his life, but I mean, <laughs> back then, dude, he used to play the bass guitar for his church and like Ooh. all sorts of crazy shit. So this is actually a good, really, uh, like, really good platform to spill a lot of dirt on him that dude, none let's of you guys spill it out, man. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck this is, is going great. on this right great. now? Oh, I'm so happy we got Chi on board. Sean's not going to edit none of this out. <laughs> Lil Dweez is going to leave it all in. So, no, but you, okay, so you're, you're playing instruments, you're like being friendly, you're super popular. Yeah, And how does popular. he get looped in? Where, where do you like... So when we went to that another church retreat, uh-huh. pretty much we only really saw each other at church retreats, like every mm-hmm. summer. Yeah. Um, and then we went to another one that was in Philadelphia, and then, you know, we didn't really know anyone out there, so we just kind of started kicking it there. So there's no sports, there's no soccer yet, there's no, no. like, you guys aren't like, you know, playing pickup. No, in between, in between on, the, on the church cement outside. What the hell were we doing back then? We were hanging out with church people. We were going to bonfires and. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I think really connected me and Sam together was because even though he had all of that church and the holiness and the Holy Spirit in him at that time, he always kind of understood the dark side of things. You know what I mean? He had that whole like background where he was hanging out with like Crips in Long Beach. Um, <laughs> He had like a period of time where he was like probably probably dealing drugs and, you know, smoking a whole bunch of fucking weed and God knows what else he was, you know, snorting and doing crazy shit. But then he kind of turned over this new leaf. And then so me coming from Koreatown and me like when, you know, gangbang was really, really popular in Koreatown back then, it kind of made me have a sense of, you know, uh, relatability with him. And then so we would talk about hip hop and, you know, he was super, super into and influenced by urban culture. And so was I at that time. So. Um, we would talk about hip-hop, we would listen to a lot of the same music, we would dress a similar way, and, you know, he had, like, this uh, family-run shoe company. He would, when we talk about people that are the quote-unquote plug, right, nowadays, I think because of the internet, everybody now knows somebody of somewhere that can possibly get you into something. But then, back then, it was like, 
he would be hanging out with Nas one weekend, and then he would be hanging out with the game another weekend. And then one of the first times, like, like one of the first times, me and him actually like really, really like hung out, hung out in a very secular way. That's a word that Chris, <laughs> okay, worldly way, like the way the way Christians like to say it. Um, we fucking ended up going to like Ice T Studio out of nowhere and then Ice-T is smoking weed and then Coco's no Ice-T didn't Ice, it oh, was his producer Ice-T yeah. don't smoke or drink and then they're all rapping and then Sam's like hey let's go to the liquor store and we pick up like fucking seven bottles of OE 40 ounces and we're going back there and I'm like where the fuck am I like he was the one that really showed me that like this whole marketing or like networking and like things of that kind of nature were really really possible like you know that, no. was, that was that was that that he was all say, he doesn't plug more stories than you've shared on this whole podcast because you're busy over there talking shit. Yeah. Where yeah, is the ice tea story yo, gonna right, come we'll, up? Where we'll, are you gonna we'll work out? You don't want to tell me Yo, Slim acts like a dickhead. <laughs> this is live for the pie. Slim acts like a dickhead. He's secretly like the most humble, holy, I'm gonna keep all my stories to myself. He doesn't want to make himself look like he's got the shine. But he's had the juice since day one. No, he's, oh. he's definitely had I don't know about now. No, but, I mean, my juice is gone. Yeah, but, but the like, juice is terrible. Did you just forget about the juice or something? It's in no, the back I, of the I got sick of the juice. Uh, working with celebrities and stuff, it's just a lot of waiting around, working around their time. Um, if you don't have the financial backing to do the marketing, then, you know, that, that's really what it was. I was I was doing this because my dad had me work for his company that wasn't doing too well. He didn't have any money to, like, put me into marketing. I was just sneaking my way into parties when we were at the magic show, the convention in Vegas, where it's, like, all the fashion people in the world will go there. This is a sneaker company. So. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sneak um, in by way of sneakers. Yeah, so I would just sneak in there. I would just <laughs> hang out in the fucking smoking section and hand out business cards. And I mean, three degrees of separation. Like, yeah, like not hanging out with people like Nas, but like being at an event so I can like you know get the photo op right. and meet his manager really quick. Nothing like we're like hanging out. The only time I really hung out was that iced tea thing. Uh, you went with me to the Nelly music video. Did no, you? I did not. I did not. The one where he was wearing a do rag and everything. <laughs> wait, which? Wait. Uh, Nelly and Fergie had a music video together called "Where My Party People At." <laughs> so for all you guys, where all you big Fergie people fans, people you said that the most, where in the most white way possible. At, where my party people at? You guys remember the song? I probably um, remember that. But yeah, like that him, all the Saint Lunatics, were, they they were in the trailer. That's when Nelly first got buff. So one of the trailers was a mobile gym. Um, and like one little funny story is when he was like uh, they're like 15 minutes to shoot he's like oh, I gotta I gotta pump up before I go so he's like going up the stairs to to go work out and he slipped on the stairs <laughs> um, but yeah no, I mean I mean Sam Sam like really I mean when I say that there was somebody who really kind of like took nothing and made it into something and like I, w I would be the last person to really big him up for no reason um, so I'm like 100% telling the truth but like dude I think he's one of the only people that I know that got invited to the Playboy Mansion back when people weren't even really they weren't even known about it like no not like making uh, invitation like a very open thing mm -hmm. because everything still at that time had to be very word of mouth right because it wasn't so much social media at that time right. nowadays you, you got Instagram models or influencers or whatever and you're just like hitting them up on Instagram and be like hey come to this event or whatever it is but back then it was just like he told me that he was going to the fucking Playboy Mansion and then he had like a robe on and it was fucking disgusting the robe was like a fucking curtain what do you mean I was dressed as V for Vendetta did you go too? no I, I was pretty upset about that my sister asked me to take who is now my brother-in-law. I had one plus one. 
Uh, my sister, like, he had taken me to some Lakers games, so I took who is now my brother-in-law. Shout-outs to bro-in-law. What up, Jay? What up, Jay? Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Sam's Facebook is, like, a fucking walking, like, I'm not walking, but, like, a mobile Craigslist. Like, he has, like, he has, he knows so many people of so many different regions. Like, literally, he'll be like, oh, Laker tickets for sale. Or, like, hey, Atlanta Hawks tickets for sale. All New right, York Knicks tickets for sale <laughs> or whatever. All right, let's, let's focus this back in. <laughs> hey, no, Ben, like how'd this. you get it? I like this. Ben, I'm so glad we invited Ben, man. I, see? Dude, it's I knew crazy. It. Well, no, all right. See, Dewey's, this is the thing. With Josh, with you, like, there are stories that the people want to know about that we'll get to one day. We're gonna make we'll it invite, so- We'll invite one of we'll, Josh's we'll, close friends at All right, you know what? Last story I'll tell, and this is to kind of really show example as to how much, how many people Sam knows in this world, is that my, my, my buddy Kudo- um, We've talked about was, Q, what's up Q? Yeah, my, my, my friend Kudo is a, a footwear graphic designer in, in Nike. And he got an internship out of Art Center, and <laughs> Nike picked two people in the entire nation to be in, uh, an intern at that time or something like some crazy statistic like that. Maybe it was five, maybe it was six, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then the other person that happened to be with him was friends with Sam in the entire nation. Could, like, of course. That's, what, that, that's, that, that's how crazy it is. That's how extensive his network Shout is. Shout out to all my talented friends. I'm sorry, we probably lost like 40,000 listeners already <laughs> by talking nothing about anything else. No, other no, than no, Sam, no, but. I think we gained. A small army of listeners who've always been curious about what's hiding behind the the slim the veneer, the jiggles, <laughs> by the jiggles. So, well, that's a good segue then with sneakers and sneakers. And yo, I just found out tonight before you jumped on the pod, kicks to the pitch was yes. sort of how you got involved more heavily later in the game in football culture. But how did you get involved with the kicks and the pitch in the first place? Um, so I was working at Crooks and Castles, um, which is a streetwear brand off of Fairfax. Um, Dave. Shout out all my Filipinos. What's up, Benny? <laughs> <laughs> like you were just when you were working with Cricks and Castles, were you like you were making clothes, designing clothes, or you just like started no. getting a job from the bottom and started working at the store? Um, yeah, dude. Um, I was I was miserable at that time, and it was like one of the. It, like I started that job saying, "All right, this is my last risk that I'm gonna take, and if I don't succeed or get somewhere with this, I'm gonna fucking go and push pencils and be an insurance agent somewhere." in Wilshire, be it work at a cell phone store or something like that. Um, so I started as an intern at Crooks and Castles, and I was probably the oldest intern in the history of all interns. And then I started to manage their social media profiles and like uh, did some blogging and writing, and I would do fucking all like grunt work, steam and lint rolling, um, all the way to you know uh, setting up trade shows for agenda, setting up lookbooks, um, going and over and you know hosting celebrities and whatever and it just kind of gradually grew from there and then um, and Crooks, Crooks and Castles was a originally at East Coast no nope. they always out here Cerritos they're Cerritos? They're, they're from Cerritos yeah. what up boys yeah they're from Cerritos and then that's that um, town baby not really but hey, sure um, so fuck what was I talking about after oh, after right. Crooks and Castles you no 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 during the tequila's ca- oh by the way we're drinking tequila tonight. Because Ben, within the last year, has forsaken Hennessy yes. and moved on to tequila because he's racist. But I also want to say we got the D- <laughs> we got the DJ. Slim brought the Don Julio. The, the Don movies. Julio. I mean, this is some like this is a special night. No, I'm, just, I'm just happy to be here, guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to be here as well. I mean, I first of all, I'm not racist. That's one. <laughs> and then, second, well, 
Henny, the reason why I started drinking Hennessy was because of Crooks and Castles. Everybody at Crooks and Castles drinks Hennessy. They don't drink anything else. They Shout out to all my Southeast Asians that love Hennessy, bro. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then I got invited to a uh, soccer tournament that the hundreds was throwing with Adidas. <coughs> and it was an influencer tournament that they threw it, it called the Rosewood Invitationals. And then it took place in Hollywood High. So I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like, soccer kind of entering in the world of streetwear. I'm excited to go check this out. So then I go to the tournament and I'm thinking like, all right, I'm gonna you know do what I would regularly do. I put on a soccer jersey, I put on um, a pair of Jordans and some jeans or whatever, and I went there. And obviously I'm the only idiot wearing a soccer jersey because nobody else there actually really played soccer. <laughs> so uh, I go there and then some guy taps me on the shoulder and he's just like, hey dude, like I really like your outfit. And I was like, oh thanks, you know. And then he was like, uh, can I take a picture of you? And then I was just like, uh, and I'm, I'm not really like that fond of taking pictures. Um, Especially with complete strangers. Right. And then he was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, it's not anything weird, but like, I have this, uh, I have this blog called Kicks to the Pitch. And it's basically like a website that intersects like the world of art, music, fashion with soccer. And then I was like, holy shit. I was like, oh, yeah, go for it. So then we end up taking a picture. He's like, yo, I'm going to tag you on Instagram or whatever. And I was like, okay, cool, man. And then he tags me on Instagram and then, we say our goodbyes and we watch the rest of the tournament. Um, and then I kind of think to myself, I'm like, dude, that's whatever he's talking about is me. Like somebody who's into fashion, somebody who's into music, somebody who's into soccer and somebody who kind of embodies a lot of those, you know, qualities and, and, and pillars together. So then I hit him up back at, I mean, I hit him up on Instagram and I said, Hey, look, thanks for tagging me. You know, it was good meeting you. Let me know if there's a way that I can get involved. And then a week and a half later, he was like, hey, we're throwing this uh, grand opening event and really, really launching our website um, officially at uh, Bait. It's a sneaker sneaker uh, streetwear store called Bait. So I went out there and then I talked to him again. And then he was like, hey, you know what? Um, there's something coming up with the UN's, U.S. Uh, Soccer Federation. They're having rivalry week with Mexico in San Antonio. And then they commissioned us to do the fan zone and kind of curate the whole experience with different you know, aspects of music, art, and fashion. So I was like, cool. And then he was just like, we can't, you know, pay you or anything, but if you would love to go out, like, you know, that'd be awesome. So at that time, I was still getting paid dog shit from Crooks and Castles. And then I spent, like, literally almost all of what I had in my checking account to buy a ticket to San Antonio. And then we went out there, and then Jordan Morris debuted for the first time for his U.S. men's national team. He scored the game winner, 2-1. And then I, yeah, rest is where it's at. That's where it started. So, so let's freeze frame on like the decision for Crooks and Castles to get involved in that tournament in the first place. Like, do you remember them talking about that? Like, was it we a weird topic to get brought up? I would imagine. No, I used to ro roam around this, the Fairfax stores in the late two thousands, early two thousands, and I would have never guessed. Crooks and like, Castles sport could ever make it. No, Crooks and Castles never involved in that tournament. Mm -hmm. It was just I just got invited to Through. as a spectator oh, from okay, okay. people that I knew at the hundreds and oh. the relationships that I built during my time at, at, at Fairfax. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just at that time when I was wearing soccer jerseys, people would just kind of be like, "Oh, okay, what are you what are, what are you got wearing?" It. And then you know, the World Cup would happen and people would be like, "Oh, cool, it's a good time to bet." Or something <laughs> like that. it was never really like, you know. So did you start writing for Kicks of the Pitch and like doing other events for them or like what what, what kind of was your role at Kicks of the Pitch? I I in the beginning I was just like hey whatever you can get me you know I'll write whatever um, but then it kind of turned more into like ideation um, events uh, did a lot of event setup project managing um, 
also coming up with creative ways to kind of make certain things look better. And obviously did a little bit of influencer outreach because of the background that I had in streetwear. And then just kind of piecing all of those things together. So, you know, at that time it was kick to the pitch's job and my job to kind of bring people in that didn't really know about soccer, but we would find them a way to be interested or invested into it. So we would like, let's say, partner up with Stash, legendary NYC graffiti artist, and have him do a live live show or like custom jersey name and uh, number set. And then people will come out just because they're fans of Stash. And then they would be like, oh shit, that's a dope ass jersey. I'm gonna buy it. What is that jersey? And we'll have conversations to kind of really kind of kickstart their, their their fandom and their interest in the in the game of soccer without even them realizing that they're doing that. Right. So after some time of working for Kicks to the Pitch, you get contacted, or how does the LAFC contact happen? Or like, do you? I'll put it this way: not why LAFC, Rich, but when did you first hear about LAFC in the first place? Um, so LAFC was doing their due diligence when they were new into the scene, um, and they would invite a lot of people out to you know a lot of the events that they had. You know, it's kind of crazy looking back on it in retrospect because I wasn't there at all from the beginning stages in mm. the sense of when they were sitting at like four or five employees in a room meeting up at a bar or something like that, right? right? So when they were doing all those things, they would invite a lot of other people that are involved in the soccer cultural world. And then they also did a lot of you know, uh, research and asking questions of like, hey, how do we make this authentic to LA? What do we do? You know, What do you guys think of this? And what do you guys think of that? And they were in a very inquisitive stage at their, um, at their, at our buildup to, to, to a franchise and to a club. So, um, we would get invited, and I remember one of the first LAFC uh, events that I remember was their uh, crest launch yeah, at Union, Union Station. Station. Mm-hmm. So and then, when you say we would get invited, what does that mean? Sorry, how kick, did they reach out to, to, to you and what you're doing? So then, I mean, Kicks to the Pitch was making a lot of noise socially, and then they were making a lot of noise in the world of soccer, and it was very unique, you know, mm-hmm. in the sense of, I would probably say the only website that was doing something like that at that time. And then, um, so I think Rich or whoever from LAFC got a wind of that, and then they would invite him to, to, to events. So I went to go shoot um, the Crest launch at Union Station, and mm. until this day, I have photos on my Instagram of, like, Will Ferrell on that stand, or, mm. like, Magic Johnson. And I actually have pictures of D9U, which I didn't know at, at that time was D9U, like, waving a black flag, just a black flag. And I remember going there, and I was just like, how are these guys, what, what are these guys excited about? Like, this shit is coming in, like, four years, like, I do. Do you even have the patience for this? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't understand it at that time, yeah. and that's how the, my first contact with LAFC happened. Yeah. And you, and you're like a you're a big design head from from everything I've known about you, and even you got friends who are now like in the industry doing cutting edge stuff. Like, for me, seeing what that what that looked like, mm-hmm. immediate visceral reaction. I was like, this is it. They landed on it. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that when we see like a logo that really pops and that works. For you, as someone who's been thinking about that stuff all the time, did, did it have the same effect? Like, what did that look yeah, like? Yeah, when the, see the, when the curtain <laughs> fell, when the curtain so fell, bad. what was your first? What was your first feeling? <laughs> That's why we need you. Um, I'm gonna be a 100% honest in the spirit of honesty, as Rich says. Uh, no, I did not feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an extremely daunting task to reinvent the LA logo, or to have a rendition or another version of it. It is extremely, extremely difficult other than the Dodgers. And I think, you know, when you look at the LAFC logo and you try to take your emotion and your investment out of it, compared to the Dodger logo, it's a lot bolder. It's a lot thicker in weight. Um, It's wider. Um, It's a little bit more... uh, It takes up a little bit more 
um, than the Dodger logo. And obviously, it's not what you're used to seeing. And you've seen so many different iterations of the LA logo in itself, and they all derive from the Dodger logo to, 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 to a certain extent. So I think it took a long time for me to kind of get over that eventual hurdle of like, ah, this is another spin-off of another LA logo. And I had to get over that to really see the logo for what it actually that's, is. I, I don't want to steal the, the design master's words over here, but that's exactly how I felt. I remember seeing it. I got invited to that event. I was at events before that, like the stadium launch and other things, and I just didn't go. <coughs> uh, regret not going that day. I was, I was working in Los Feliz, and I like looked downtown, and I saw, the, I saw the traffic on the freeway from where I was staying, and I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to make that it down to the station. That is the most undoing thing I've fucking I know, right? in my life, dude. Hey, I was going through tough times, guys. I was going through <laughs> tough times. We're talking about existential, tough times on this existential crises on upon of existential crises. But no, I, I remember when I saw the actual rendition. Interesting. I was, I felt the same, man. I was like, I was already a season ticket holder at that point. I had already put down the deposit and everything, like back in November of, you know, right that maybe three weeks after the team got launched, as soon as, as soon as you could. Um, and I was really excited for the, you know, for the crest and everything. But I was just like, what? You know, I remember just balking. But in retrospect, it's exactly how you said. It's like, I had already had some standard in my head for like, no matter what it was gonna be, I was gonna not like it at first, just yeah, because it was like for sure. invading on the space of what was already the Dodger logo. Yeah. And while I was never a baseball fan, I had every color of Dodger hat imaginable, matching them with my sneakers, and going out like a hip hop heads yeah. in the early two thousands, yeah. baby. Yeah, and I wouldn't call them Dodgers hats; I call them LA hats, right? Yeah. Like, and so like it was all about that logo to me and what it represented. And I wore that hat around the world and would get in conversations about the city. So like, there was so much connected to that, but. Yeah, when I first saw that, I wasn't feeling it. I can say every single day since <coughs> that day, I've liked it more and more. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like I've fallen completely in love with that logo. I think it's, it's, it's incredible. It's a genius logo. I, 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 I really, really like it now. But at first, no, I was the same. That's really interesting, man. I think that's just as someone from the outside looking in into Los Angeles and was really like adopted this place. Like, is it because? the interlocking action is not happening and that's so iconic for it it's just because when i looked at like the the wings coming up i was like oh sh shit like this is it, it worked because it represented like la culture in, in, in a big way without being like the angel wings are i think can be very corny i think there's only been one angel hat that i've that from the old og days that have been cool but like the wing wing logo being interpreted that way, I think, was really cool for me. Was it the fact that it was so it didn't interlock? Was it the fact that it just was you felt it was derivative of the Dodger logo? Like, what what do you think that that came from? Um, I think that yeah, like like you mentioned, I think it is definitely a hard concept to pull off. Like you have the wing in there, and then you know sometimes you kind of look at things and you say, oh damn, I think that that'd be kind of corny, right? Like sure. if I if I was to design an LA logo. I definitely wouldn't put something like a wing in there or the city of angels or something very like what's been consistently done or like constantly challenged that I think I would stay away from it. But like you said, I think it was done in a tasteful manner. I mean, to me, I could still definitely see the same impact with or without the angel, uh, the, the, the wings on, mm -hmm. on our, on our logo. Mm -hmm. Just but, the letters themselves. And that's yeah. It. I mean, I mean, I think it would work both ways, but, um, I do definitely know that there's a lot of story and meaning behind it. And I think that that's what people gravitate towards, right? The purpose of something, yeah. the reason why it exists and explaining why that they're, they're there. Yeah, you know? that's, that's interesting. I, I mean, I think that my initial 
hesitation to it was the roundness. There's like certain round parts of it, the and a, it was yeah. like there were yeah the a there's the some a. there's some curvature yep. curvature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like for some reason I like straight lines and it sort yeah. of bugged me. Look at the <laughs> look at the LA hats. It was like you know these like bam 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 yeah. like yeah. it's just like really hard, sure. almost like staples. Yeah, yeah. that's um, why the Yankees and the the Dodgers hats will for like those are forever. Well, the Yankees have curves but, on their logo as well too. No, but I but I would say man like on some real shit. The wing now is what I like the best mm. because deco, like art deco, and like it wasn't. I don't know a lot about architecture, and I'm not going to pretend I do. But after sort of like looking at the way that wing shaped, and then like looking at the most important buildings in the city, and like realizing like how a place like Union Station, and like seeing some of those same lines, yeah. like it it woke up the city for me, and like in in a way, it's the city's architecture, the wing itself. Yeah. Because without the wing, you don't get the deco, mm. totally. Yeah. Like and you, the designer himself is not from Los Angeles, correct? Is that? He's a Matt Wolf. He's the he designed the NYCFC logo right before that, yeah, and then yeah. he moved on to Nike and did the uh, Nigeria kit, Nigeria kits, and the French kit, French kits that year. Yeah. And I think a couple other ones. It's It'll be great. Someday we'll get a conversation with him and, and, and talk through that. But yeah. we'll discuss it. It's we know you're listening. To, yeah, it's interesting to know that. Like, <laughs> it, you said like it woke up a certain part of LA that you, it was always there, but I think it, it maybe it takes because that's what designers do. Right? They look at landmarks and they look at icons first. That maybe people are just like they've accepted in their everyday life, and then they they interpret into a way that is like supposed, hopefully classic, and right. that you guys would accept. I think Art Deco works um, in terms of taking a landmark or something that is very essential to Los Angeles because as essential as it is and some may disagree uh, I don't think Art Deco is very widely known period like in terms of it even be existing and then second of all it being a quintessential LA thing yeah. because to me like I don't know anything about architecture and I don't say that I know everything about LA other than the fact that I really love this city mm-hmm. um, and I'm not the most diverse person in that in that in that realm either. But I'd never heard of Art Deco until I started working for LAFC. I did not know that those buildings that we look at mm. were called Art Deco. Nor would I ever make the connection between the way that the font looks or with the way that the wings are into Art Deco. So mm. I think that there is a lot where it's just like, oh, is Art Deco LA or something like that? So it's just like, that's why I think it works because if it was like the Hollywood sign, which is mm. something that everyone knows that is LA, right. palm trees, yeah, something, it's too everybody, obvious. Right? It's too, too obvious. obvious. Mm. But Art Deco to me is not an obvious play for Los Angeles. Mm. And I think that that's a really, really good way to, 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 make, to make that happen. Dude, if we want to follow the metaphor further, I would also say that like the team, going, that it, the team that it ended up representing <laughs> and the, the community first, there's people, there's people who care about sports. That's all like flipping the traditional narrative of Los Angeles on its head. Mm. It's always, it's, yeah. it's like, you know what I mean? Yes. It's like, yep. it's, it's the non-obvious part yeah. of Los Angeles. Everyone right. knows the Hollywood. Everyone knows, yes. like, you know. Wow. Right? Look so at if you this flip guy, it, dude. so. This is why we have this a is why he gets, This is why he gets paid <laughs> the big bucks, dude. Do you will get the big bucks once we get a sponsor? <laughs> hey, so. Uh, Shout out the sponsors, future sponsors. Let's take a break on that note. Yeah. And we'll get right back into it. Yep. All right. Back here, FCFC Pod. We're here with Ben. 
Why do you always come in with the sexy voice? Though? I like people. I, like, I don't. I don't have a thing. With, I don't have a thing. You, you, you trying to get Scott your Joseph swag off, bro? bro I'm trying to get the sexy fucking, voice. Hey, if you Joe like Josh, if you like Josh's uh, sexy voice, Joseph Zacher impersonations, you know, hey. shoot him a shoot him a comment. And Josh Let is fresh single like right now. So hey, Joseph. To be honest, your voice is is so soothing in traffic, bro. Hell yeah, dude. Well. Let's, let's get all right, into all right, it. Alright, enough. All right. All right. This is the important Alright, back part. to your sex. This voice. is really about what, what this is about. <laughs> Alright, good sentence. Ben is Scholar, a man huh? of impeccable taste. <laughs> and he brought a gift, not only for Sam, not only for Dweez, but for your boy Josh. It, it looks like sexy. It looks like <laughs> a piece of art. I'm expecting a fucking so, Basquiat to come out I'm of this gonna, thing right now. It's, I'm just gonna yeah. narrate it as as Josh kind of goes through. Yeah, so it's I'm, a I'm it's giddy. a it's a giant. It looks like kind of almost the size of a door, a little bit smaller on the length side, rectangle, covered in cardboard, colored paper. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm gonna rip it. No, go brown. Uh, he's he's ripping off the tape right now. He's uh, got a, a he's got a white whiteboard on the back. Whiteboard on the back. Let's let's see what we got. And on the front side. Oh, oh damn! Oh, we got shit. a blown ah! up photograph <laughs> of my, my of, of me of of me on the field celebrating. This is this it is turns out that Josh actually plays for LAFC and he's actually Lee Wynn. This yes. is incredible. He's, Lee Wynn being embraced by the thirty two fifty two. This is everything I've ever wanted. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit! We'll be putting it oh, just in God. case y'all are. This is Lee before he grew out his beard. Look how clean shaven he is, man. Honestly, I think. The reason why I'm growing on my hair is a mix of Lee Wynn and uh, Brandon Can I just say your ponytail sport? right now and his ponytail right now are pretty damn similar. It's pretty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hold on, Josh. Let me, I, I'm, I'm going to be the one whipping out the camera. Let me get a photo of this real yes. quick. Keep your head just like that. Dude, this is incredible. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, man. That's yeah, dope. Imad uh, shoots. That's dope. Uh, that's, just, that's just dope. Imad, shout out to Imad. This is awesome, man. Honestly, I'm I'm so sentimental about. I think anything. this is. Oh, good. Yeah, I thought this was like a. It's it, you can take the photo out. I think. Dude, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna hang this on my freaking. I don't know what I have in my house, but this is amazing. Thank you so much. No, no problem. Dude, what the freak? I'm gonna cry. Man. Love that. Dude, I'm. Lee Wynn is with us. In, with us always. That's what it is. Holy shit. Man, the last few guests, they just come over here I bringing know, the fire. Man, we got, we're pretty bad at uh, gifting our. Guess with anything, so sorry guys. Yeah, as Rich knows, I, I did give him a gift when he came because he was supposed to come on the pod a long time ago. Didn't come on, gave him a gift. My plan was always to give gifts, and you just, it's just too hard. It's too hard for me to keep up. So That's shout out to Ben yeah. right we'll, here we'll for have bringing gifts. the goods. We'll have gifts when we get a sponsor, guys. Once again, the Nardwar, <laughs> the Nardwar podcast for Hell you guys, yeah. man. Thank you, gifts. brother. Dude, Lee, I'm I'm like big into like Asian American people and Asian American movements at all times, and Lee has been kind of on my radar even as not an MLS fan for a long, long time. First Asian American person to be on the USMNT. Like respected him from for, forever, knew him as a New England Rev guy, right? Forever, and uh, man, it's the same way that like I came to LA and like really wanted to support something that was LA, um, and never thought I'd really find something, and then LAFC popped up, and then um, in the first season, man, Lee Win, Lee yeah. Win on yeah. the team, man. I I want to put the twenty four on my back, but I feel like we look too identical in that way. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm really big on I think twenty four is a beautiful number and all that shit, but like people. When I go to the bathroom of the bank, are literally like give me a lot of shit. Be like, why the fuck aren't you on the field? <laughs> shout out, shout out to all my my Latino homies, like Lee Lee Nguyen out here, dude. Yeah, shout out always, always. 
And Ben, you were, I mean, you were championing the Lee Wynn um, t-shirt that came out. Yeah. At Boiling Crab, man. And I, I remember the energy you had around that and saying how much we had to support this stuff. And like, we were so happy to do it, but just seeing that we had kind of an Asian, Asian American person within the club. I've never had that in my life, man. And all the clubs I've supported, and maybe that's from where I'm from, but it's like having a person like that with significant enough pull, clout, whatever that is, right? To be like, this is important to LA and this is important to us. Like, that's freaking awesome, man. I yeah. appreciate that. No, no problem. I mean, I think that also speaks volumes to how much Lee embraces um, and is open to sharing his culture, sharing his background. Um, I think it's a very interesting thing because, you know, I think Texas is a whole other world in its own, on its own. And he's from, he's from Texas. And then he's also Vietnamese. American, American Vietnamese. Yeah. Um, so to see him just kind of embrace it and then to for us to kind of work together on the cultural tea and then us kind of bringing that full circle, I think he understands what it means. I think he has a huge responsibility um, as someone who champions a lot of the Asian, um, especially like being at Boiling Crab, there was so many Asian, like Vietnamese kids that came and, right. you know, they get to kind of look at that and say, well, I'm from LA, I look like him, I'm Vietnamese, this means that I can do it too. And I think walking away from that, I mean, we always, we, we, it's, it's so easy to kind of just look at it as, oh, it's a player meet and greet. Oh, it was a cool shirt that sold. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he showed up, we ate boiling crab together, but we never really know the type of impact that people have. And this goes for all things, not only just sports, right? Sometimes you meet friends, sometimes you meet a stranger, you have a conversation and you never really know what that person takes away when they walk away from that conversation or that interaction. So I think it was a really, really huge uh, milestone. And even me talking about it now gives me a lot more of a, uh, a, a sense of what that was than at that time, which was like a, a weekend with Lee. We ate fun boiling crab. We talked, mm -hmm. had fans come out, and, and, and that was that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I think to your point, it's, it's extremely important. And I think Lee has a very important <coughs> role and a figure in the club, and which I'm you know, continuously thankful for that the fact that not only does he play well, he excels in his position, yeah. and he's a he's a huge, uh, a, a, a essential and an instrumental figure to the team. So, you know, I'm I'm very happy that the way that that turned out. Oh yeah, man! Like even my um, my boss Win, who's who's 3252 member, TSG member. Oh shit! He um, he's Vietnamese dude, like straight up, like grew up as like a like a ref refugee kid who came over to L.A. From is Vietnam. He, is he the yeah, dude with Vietnam. the? Oh, okay. He's got the little boy little that he brings boy, with him. Little boy. Damn. Yeah, and uh -huh. it's like. Dude's like a hardened, like advertising dude. Like has seen every perk imaginable, you know, in yeah. life in terms of sporting events. And like, he brought his son, son Max, and he saw. He, he said, "Man, he's fucking like, Dad. Your name is on. Your name is on the fucking oh, shirt. Wow. Uh, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? And that's now, cool. He's like, he's like a real young kid, but like I know when does uh, Lee does a uh, does like a, a a camp every every, every year he in does. like Westminster Orange County area, and he's like he's not old enough to participate yet, but like. He's dying to, to just be old enough to go. And Damn. that's the representation that is so important, especially for someone who's starter, important person on the team. Like, he's excelling exactly yeah. in, the, in the way he's, like, he's making his, his people proud and he wears it so proudly. Yeah, on. for sure. Yo, so the that shirt is like a great segue into what I, what I something I want to talk to you about is like, can you explain a little bit like what your role is at LAFC and then like how you're involved with like these the things like the shirts and the scarves and like these crazy like lines we see sometimes at the team store and like sure. you thinking up design and stuff uh yeah I'll just let you sort of talk about, talk um, about that. 
So I work for the Brandon Community Department in LAFC, which is spearheaded by um, Rich, um, as you guys know. Former guest of the pod. Yeah, former Fr- guest friend of the, of the pod. pod. LAFC Rich. Um, I do, uh, so in addition to, um, you know, representing the brand and making sure the brand, the brand succeeds, also being a part of the community and, and, and having those two align together and be cohesive. Um, I also do merchandise as well too. And what that kind of means is there's a very complicated process that happens in MLS because the MLS as a league owns Sucks. All, of, all of our... Uh, <laughs> that was Sam, not me. Um, yeah. uh, they own all of our image rights. So I am the liaison between the processes of us navigating through Adidas, um, the club, Fanatics, our third-party retailer, and then also um, uh, the league. So then, you know, from approvals to image rights and then starting it from whatever we want to design, what we can design, what we can design it on, you know, to how many quantities we want to buy, to when we're going (coughs) to drop it, when we can. As much as I would love to say that I have control over a lot of those things, um, there are a lot of things that are out of our hands Mm -hmm. uh, because we work with so many different... Um, licensees and vendors that we go through Um, so I try to facilitate that as much and obviously represent the brand as well as we possibly can but I mean I also work with a very very well reputable person named Alistair Anir who is the vice president of the Dodgers uh, in terms of merchandising and he's been uh, a very good um, teacher and also Rich (laughs) has been a very good teacher and I work with Pat and everybody at the club Marcus the creative director Jeff Parrish uh, the designer Imad, the photographer, who also designed a lot of things as well too. And there's a, you know, a couple of times here and there where I get to kind of um, design a few things for the club as well too, uh, for fun, and just kind of rolls up. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the coolest shit of all time. He's he's underselling it, people. He gets to fucking put the things that you put around your neck sometimes, <laughs> and then as, as it causes lines lines that form at what like nine in the morning, and yeah, this shit gets sold out. But like this is some Fairfax shit. They've taken yeah, yeah. the Fairfax thing, and it's now yeah, over here. Yeah, you turned bank. a bunch of non hype beasts into hype beasts. Yes, yeah. no, I I, I personally think that that has everything to do with the community rather than the product in itself because. It's a little and, bit of both. Come on, come on, buddy. Come on, it's a little bit of both. You gotta I, give yourself some credit. No, I mean, th- I mean, I don't have anything to do with the design, I mean, or anything like that. So, I mean, I can't take the credit. I think it has a lot to do with the vision that, you know, everybody at LAFC had. And I, and again, okay, to, let's just say not taking the credit away from you or anything like that. Everything works in a, a, a up and down order in LAFC. And I think that that's kind of like the beauty of the club is that first you have to have owners that trust a certain amount of vision, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they're investing money and they're putting things into a vision that they may not be able to quite understand at that time, or they do understand it and they trust it. Whichever one it is, you're still going to have to move forward with a certain amount of trust, right? And then from that trust comes another tier of tier of executives or people that at the club are going to have to trust more people on the lower and lower and lower pegs, and they, and they can continue down that order. And then for all of them to be completely trusting of each other and then say, hey, this is what we should design. This is how our logo should look like. This is what our color should be. We shouldn't do this because of somebody else, or we should do this because of to be different, whatever it may be, I think that takes an extreme amount of trust and, and, and courage in order to do that. So what I mean by that, more so than the product in itself, is I'm talking about LAFC as a club, the people that work there as a community in its own, and of course the community that continues to, you know, uh, to line up for those things and to want those things and to support those things. So, yeah. So I think when I was listening to 
the Heart of LAFC interview with Rich, they kind of talk about the origin. You there too? Of the hat. Goddamn. <laughs> of the hat. He's out here. Okay. And, uh, so were you around for the for the hat when the hat came to be? Were you already a part no. of LAFC? No, uh, but I did get to see the logo before it came out oh, as, nice. as a crest. Um, so I did see the logo, but I didn't get to see the hat until it actually came out, which was at the so, crest launch. So I, I say that to say, like, you know, We've got hats, we've got shirts, we've got sweatshirts, we've got scarves. There's only like so many different materials that um, LAF that's in the team store and things like that. Of course, sure. there's like all the stuff with like you know car flags and other other kinds of things. But I see like it just as a lay person, I guess like people wearing another team's crest on like a similar style hat. Like I saw the the. The green LAFC hat, which I really like, that says, like, Los Angeles. Sure. Uh, I saw that in, like, a Galaxy version once, too. It said, like, Galaxy something, something, something. So I, so some of the merchandise, like you were saying, like, MLS sort of sort of prints, like, okay, this is the styles we're going with this year, and sure. every team's going to have that version of the style. Like a plug-and-play. Yeah. So where is, like, the, okay, you can do your own thing here? Like, where are some of those? Can you just, like, I would imagine scarves you have a little bit more sure. leeway, or, like, how does it how does it work? Um, It really just depends. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of licensees that have the rights to produce product. Mm -hmm. So we don't get to see all of them, you know, um, because there's so many things coming out. So when some people are like, oh, like, I don't like that. Like, how could you let that be in the store? Or, You're like, like I why is that know. online? Yeah. And I'm just like, wow. Like, Some stuff doesn't even come through you guys. Whatever like, it may, your office, yeah, yeah, whatever it may be. So um, that's what I kind of mean by like control, not not control. Right. But um, when I, I think what we try to do is we try to make what we feel like fits to our brand and our community and what represents our community the best. Because you know you have to be able to wear it. And and my thing is and it's always been like this, is that in order for soccer to succeed in America, right, you have to be able to take the game outside of the 90 minutes. You have to be able to take it outside the stadium. If you don't want to wear your sports team outside of the game day or outside of the venue or a watch party or at a bar when the game is on, then it's most likely going to be very difficult for it to succeed, mm. right? And I, and I make this point about, you know, how basketball became really big. In my opinion, basketball would have never gone to where it, where it would have been if it wasn't for Michael Jordan. And more so than Michael Jordan being a phenomenon in basketball, it has a lot to do with the fact that his sneakers were able to live outside of the actual game in itself. To the point where you can look at someone who wears Jordans and say, I know what music he listens to. I know what he would buy. I know where he would hang out. Right. I, know, I know what kind of friends he has. I know what he eats. There's so many things that you can classify a person with Jordans. When it initially came out. Mm -hmm. And then it really really transcended like hey if i wear this i could fly if i wear this i can play well if i wear this people are going to look at me like i'm rich if i wear this i'm going to get a lot of girls if i wear this i drive a fancy car so there's so many different facets to just that one platform of a sneaker that transcended the game of basketball it's in the same sense that we need to do with soccer right and that's what we try to do with lafc all the time and that's what that's a tried and true thing for lafc specifically we don't see a lot of clubs worldwide that have a lot of hats, right? Like, I'm a Man United fan, and I thought Man United signing with New Era was going to change my life. I have bought one Manchester United New Era hat, and I never bought another one ever again. Yeah, they're kind of trash. And I just don't want to wear it, right? But then LAFC has managed to do something that even global soccer teams have failed to do. Like, we sell hats, and people love wearing our hats whether they like the club or not, 
Yeah, and it's not even always just like the one style. Like there's tons of different styles of renditions of the logo. There's the blown up one. There's like the you know yeah. there's 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 different styles of hats. Even it's not even just You're the one. Ben. No, no, no. <laughs> there's one no, 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 style. No, no, but LAFC, yeah. no, no, no. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, there's a no, ton I of do, different ones, and I see people rocking those. It'd be one thing if it was just like yeah, everybody. I mean, Dodgers is still for the most part. Sure. You see mostly blue and white, right? Sure. Just the regular, right? Sure. But for LFC, you see quite a few different editions of it and different like styles of the hat that people rock, right. which I think is interesting. I, I think what's the most surprising thing about the fact that you know the city really, really embraces the hat is because in baseball, it makes sense. You know, you see a player wear it, and you're like, oh, shit, they're wearing it. They're wearing it all the time. Think about it. A three-and-a-half-hour baseball game, that's minimum three-and-a-half hours. They're wearing something on their face, and you're constantly looking at it. So it only makes sense when you see them. You're just like, okay, the way that they adjust their hats, the way that they wipe off their brows and put their hats back on. There's a lot of romantic gestures in baseball that makes you fall in love with a hat, right? But in soccer, nobody wears a fucking hat. Right. But then the fact that we're still able to get our community to really, really rally behind the hat, that's a very, very unique and special thing that I think people really, really discount and dismiss a lot of times. Hmm. Do you think that it's partially because like the baseball hat went to a certain point with fashion and then sort of like left baseball even and it just became like like with hip hop culture, with like skateboarding even, like hats sort of departed the, the functionality of baseball and then they became now a fashionable thing so that by the time LAFC came along you were able to introduce it because it was already like people, like I spoke the language for example, I can only speak for myself, sure. I spoke the language of like sick hats, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because I always had, try to get the craziest hats on Fairfax. On, what, what was the store on Fairfax? That's some crazy store. It was, uh... Lids. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was, Hall uh, of Fame? Maybe it's Hall of Fame. The one that sells a lot of hats? Is it still there? Yeah. So you haven't been there for a while. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, maybe it was Hall of Fame. And they had them in the glass cases, like, one by one, right? Yeah, yeah, that's Hall of Fame. And I remember buying this, like, orange one with, like, this reflective shit on it. I was like, dude, what is this? It's, like, silver. And I was just like, it was obviously the most ugly thing of all time. Yeah, bro, I had some now. ugly ass hats, but, but I was, like, like, so excited, right? So, bro. But, but, but like I said, you know, not a baseball guy. Like, I couldn't, you couldn't bother me to go to a baseball game at that point. Oh, God, I'm just thinking So I spoke, the like, the, the language of hat so that when I saw Life Sigma, I was like, oh, yeah, hell yeah. Like, this is, like, the coolest shit of all time. Um, so it didn't matter that like a player didn't have it, but I know exactly what you're saying about the other teams. Like I can't imagine, I can't imagine wearing like an Arsenal, fire hat. an Arsenal hat, for example. Even like mm. just like the gun on it's just like okay, like I true. guess like yeah, or like a Real Madrid hat. Yeah, right. Like you have a crown. And people like, wear them. Some people crown. wear them, but they're not like they don't record breaking numbers. Yeah, they're not. They're not the most important things. It's jerseys and kits mm. are, are the yeah. most important thing. But um, yeah. Like what other things for you like. Go ahead, Josh. Were you gonna say something? I was just gonna say, like, I mean, Ben Ben's point earlier about what what Jordans mean to the culture, right? right. To mainstream culture, hip hop culture, all that. I mean, there's the old adage of like, you can tell a lot about a man from from his shoes, right? And that's yep. that comes from way old back in the day. But oh. I think this it's an inter interesting inversion of that when you when you go from top down, right? The hat on, and there's something about an LAFC hat that can tell you a lot about a person maybe even stationed in life and what the, where the hell they come from, and even like today, like. I was in Malibu and I saw some guy riding a bike wearing like a LAFC training top. So immediately I was like, this guy's the shit. But he was wearing the green Los Angeles hat. And I was like, it took this, it's, it's, it's a pretty deep cut. It's a yeah. deep dive. And you, I knew immediately like maybe 60% about his fandom already, right. just in terms of like probably what supporter group he's in or well, what he's about and like what that, what that kind of means for the kind of, the kind of person the interaction I should have with him. The hat is interesting because there's something about the the logo and the way that it, the way that it's beginning to, to sit on in the culture. It's like it's becoming larger and it's becoming maybe more indicative of 
diversity of maybe even culture in a way that maybe musical, right? Hip hop is such a huge part of that. Yeah. But um, yeah, like Jay said, like you, he made the Yankee Hat more famous than the Yankee Hat, and I think yeah. that's that's been that's like, been the trend. Yeah, through. like Dewey was saying, it tr- like the hat, the cap transcended baseball. Um, but also with LA culture and hats, um, it's it's a lot of gang culture too. Like every gang had their hat. You know what I mean? Like, so is the Dodger hat in a different color or what? No, no, no. No, they have like they wear they wear any team as long as the the. Uh, I think color. well, gangbang culture is like White Sox hat for sure. Yeah. White Sox was a huge gangbang hat. Uh, I think Oakland A's was also another one. Uh, the I Dodger, mean, there was there was Dodger a whole hat bunch. for sure. Like the, still, the Cincy hats, the yeah, the Cincy hats were also um, a good one too. Oh, we, I mean, us growing up even in elementary school, like you know, we were we were not allowed to wear Raider any, like, hats. Raider Bulls, hats was a huge Raiders. one too. Yeah. Um, so I mean that's the crazy thing even, for someone even in like Vietnamese communities you can't wear like cowboys especially oh yeah cowboys is a big yeah because yeah. it means something yeah people. and that's on like a regulatory like school level like this is dress code yeah yeah I wasn't allowed I grew up not wearing allowed to like wear socks bulls and um, raiders at my school yeah sounds about right. But yeah, I mean that's another thing about LA culture is like yeah, the the hats signified. And I think even with the gang culture stuff, it's a little yeah, yeah, it's been around for a long time. So yeah, it's just a, another form of belonging and like it's just like the cap. It's just a beautiful mixture of all these things that that are LA that made the caps possible. Yeah. So so getting away from the the cap because like now that's sort of like its own thing. It's probably up and running. But like <coughs> the limited edition releases that you guys do is obviously something you have a little bit more control over, I would imagine, or those are like releases that you guys do. Like how do you plan like basic things like how many are you going to have like, you know, what what is the uh, the the thought process in terms of like okay this time last time we did like a limited edition scarf or we can do a limited edition t-shirt or we can do a limited edition like you know I don't know anything about this like fashion world so like how do you guys like make those decisions and you know what what can people like g- glean from like how that how that decision process happens um, I, I think some of it is something that you stumble upon, right? Like not everyone, not everyone at every time could be scientific about all the plans that they have. And some of the things you plan, you're like, oh my God, this is going to do so well. And then it just never ends up doing well, right? And then some of the things you're just like, oh, what the fuck? Why the fuck would anybody buy this? And then it sells out. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so um, what were some of those? What were some of what? What were some of the ones that you thought would go that didn't? Ooh. What were some of the ones that you thought wouldn't go that did? I really didn't think that the big ass logo, LA logo hats were going to sell. And when they sold, a part of my soul left me. <laughs> <laughs> left his body, y'all. Um, I honestly thought that a lot of our Defend the Bank stuff was going to sell well. Mm. I thought it was designed very well. It had a very, very clear call to action. Um, it was something that, you know, we really wanted to do. And we prided ourselves on doing, uh, was defending the bank. And it just didn't really hit well. Just kind of turned into more of a hashtag than um, anything, huh? Yeah, and Blackout LA as well, too. Um, other than the Blackout LA scarves, like the shirts and stuff like that. Um, I think that was too real. There are too many people blacking out. <laughs> <laughs> shout out Fern. Like, I don't like the, yeah, I don't like the double. What up, Fern? I don't like Fern. the double connotation of Blackout. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think that's something that, like, I live with a big Supreme head, and when I started getting into it, like, Supreme, had already, Supreme had already been 
like a 15 years into just great design, right? So even if I think something sucks, I like, oh, they have a reason behind it or I'm just not getting it. And I think over the course of like one year... It's like the pretty the, girl that you like keep telling stories even though she sucks at it. <laughs> All Yikes. the new shit that comes out, there is like, there is <laughs> such a trust in LAFC design from HQ that it is forming the lines. Maybe some, like the Cinco de Mayo scarf is going to sell out and have the lines over there, but there is this kind of trust that comes with what you guys do with the design team and Jeff and Iman and all of them to be like, this is gonna, this is this is good. They know they know what's gonna they know what's gonna hit. I think you've built that trust. Is in this year? Yeah, this you season. heard that, you fucking Jeff and Imad, you motherfuckers. <laughs> they trust us. Hey, so so like, is this normal for sports teams? Do do the Dodgers have like limited releases and there'll be a line? I don't know any. I'm like uh, I'm talking Dodgers about this do. in isolation. The Dodgers do. Um, they had a line for their Nike Cortez uh, drop that they did um, with Jason. Uh, uh, Jason Mark, uh, not that long ago. Collabs are heavy. Uh, and then they also had a line for a couple of other projects. But like, do the Rams is like is NFL or the basketball? Do the Lakers? Um, will the Lakers have a line for limited edition releases? And I think this is what I mean by kind of like when you have a up down, down up trust uh, issue is where I mean not issue um, a, a good trust system in place mm-hmm. is that I think when something sells well, the immediate reaction from a merchant is to sell a lot of it in sports so let's just say you have a really really cool dodger hat your plant or like a dodger sweater or a ram sweater your number one instinct is how many of these can we sell mm-hmm. and as quickly as possible and i think what we try to do with lafc is just to it's not about us it's not the fact that we're trying to make it so cool and exclusive all the time it's just more so about the fact that hey like we want people to be able to really appreciate this and we want to be able to continue to put out like what you said you know, designs that people trust and people can stand behind. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that in like record breaking numbers. Right. And and we also want to give something that some people feel special about as well. Yeah, they'll too, have right? that and that's the one of one you yeah, know, one yeah. of that that yeah. one year and you're always exactly. gonna remember that season, right that that weekend. Right. Like the parlay jersey. Like not everybody has a parlay jersey. And and it's and it sucks. And that's not something we have control over by the right. way. But I mean when you have it, you're like, oh, I have it. This means something to me. Or I the re- Tyler Miller, the Tyler Miller keeper. Right. Mm-hmm. Shout and then out, Jason. Happy birthday, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> like yeah, happy birthday, you know, um, yes. <laughs> and, yeah, like you. the Tyler Miller jersey. Um, it's like, oh, dude, I got it. I remember the, how I got it. I remember the feeling of getting it. And I think that that's also a part of a journey that, you know, maybe sometimes you won't appreciate or you won't know to appreciate when you're waiting in line or when you when you're there in the thick of things, but when you get it and you put it on and then you're out there, like, it's just like, oh, shoot, I, I have something, you know? And it, and, it, and, it, and it brings a certain memory to it and a certain journey and an experience to it as well, too. I think that that's really <coughs> valuable as well. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff's not available online, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I think that, it, a for lot of me, right, and the reason why it's exclusive to our venue is just, hey, it's, it's our city, right? Like, if we were to put these up online all the time and, and it sells, great but then what about the people that actually come to the stadium what about the people that really really want to want to rep and want to really really like outfit them and dress themselves in LASD what about those people yeah. and, you know our community is that pretty normal in like streetwear too is like if you're gonna do a line, yeah. limited drop obviously you can do limited drops online too it's just like we're gonna open the store at 9 a.m we're gonna drop it like yeah. and then we only got 20 and if they sell out they sell out yeah um like is it is it still they're like ah we're gonna like mostly do it from the store because they enjoy that same I don't thing think so or? because you know, retail is a is is a dying concept, right? Like, it becomes less and less uh, essential to people because they're able to shop conveniently from their phone or their or, or their at, at their jobs. So, what I think happens is they need as much as they can possibly get. So they rather put 150 quantities online 
because our stadium serves multi-purpose. There's so many different reasons to go to the stadium. Right. But then there's not very many reasons other than to shop and buy something to go to a clothing store. Right. So I think they put it up online rather so that they have easier access and a wider footprint to mm. it rather than to actually have it. Well, I think it's, I think it's rad. I, I think they do both, but you know, right. for the most part, I think it's online, yeah. And the Tyler Miller jersey, just as a story, is like the 3052 was able to raffle it for charity. Like that's how important that thing was because of how hard it was to, to grab. It was like they used the power of that for a good cause and I oh, think that's, that's, that's awesome that's awesome man I would have I would have bought one because no, I, I think it, I think <laughs> I think the idea of making limited quantities like you said less about the hype thing more about what you're talking about and I hadn't even thought about it on the level you're talking about it but you know to me yeah it's like physically having something physically going to get it like the record store day releases exactly right? yeah. 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 yeah where you go I mean I got this Gil Scott Heron who's one of my favorite artists of all time Revolution will not be terrorized Kanye sampled a lot of his music if you guys don't know who he is but uh, I've got this like just him playing the piano like that was released like 10 days before he died I think and he had oh, recorded XL recordings they were gonna like release it bigger and then the guy kind of like kept it to the side and he just released this like limited one and I have a record player and in the mornings I play records here when I wake up it's like the only time I play records that sounds but it's like, like I get it just I get it yeah. I get to take it out and I look at it and he's got this like little typed up thing on the back and it's just like it's so fucking cool to have that and I remember going out to Puba in Pasadena when I bought that and everything so it's like yeah I can totally relate and for people I think coming to games at LAFC being able to grab the you know the Cinco de Mayo scarf for instance which was like that was that was like the recent crazy line right as we were recording this like I remember people saying like oh man I I had no idea like them kind of being disappointed about like not even knowing that it would have been such a long line or not being able to get the scarf but at the same time the people that did yeah you gotta keep up Um, people that did that's gotta be like kind of the coolest shit right and even like the pride scarf that came out last last week when you were yeah playing. that pride scarf was hard like with all the all the couples rocking that like that's immediate just what a scarf means to those guys who are on the stand and what it what what it means around their necks like that's incredible dude that's they awesome. kind of matched that shirt you were wearing on match day yeah um the new pride scars to me was really awesome because i feel like we you know we didn't reinvent the wheel or anything like that but i feel like it was you know a different take on it and i think that it was it, it was a fresh uh, perspective in terms of design wise yeah. and it's something that i think a lot of people could 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 really appreciate and i really love the way that the colors kind of blend in together um jeff parish uh designed that so um again jeff's the one that does all the the game day flyers as well he right? is, he so is. for all you people who enjoy both of those things give a shout out to jeff uh, yeah um, yeah so now that we, we have you here in the backyard, I mean, I'd be curious to know as much as you're willing to say, like, what would be some of the things that would surprise people that, like, sell really well in the store or, like, don't sell really well? Like, to the degree that you want to share any of that. Um, I think, well, I can't say for the people because I don't really know what they get surprised or what they don't get surprised right, about. Right, but, but for you personally? Uh, for me personally, I think scarves because, you know, I think even uh, the league has said it as well, too. Um, I think in general, uh, hotter hotter temperature cities or places don't do as well in scarves wow. sales because yeah, yeah. you know it's pretty obvious yeah. reasons it's yeah. right. you like can't for, ever for wear example it. like maybe like in Minnesota or like you know uh, what's another cold place in Portland or Seattle maybe they're able to sport in Kansas or, you know they may be able to do a whole bunch of scarf things because it's cold it's a it's a it's actually somewhat of a necessity at a certain point right yeah. but you're in LA and you're just like oh dude it's freaking hot I don't want this shit around my neck you know um, but our fans love scarves and that really surprised me and it really excites me because there's so much design that we can explore you know 
Cause like, I think when it comes to t-shirts, a lot of the placements, a lot of where the logo should go, or a lot of where things should be like, are already very set. It's a very standardized, hey, there's a chest hit, there's a middle hit, there's something on the back, it's usually big. It's very standardized. But in a scarf, you can literally do whatever you want. You can chop up the pieces of the scarf into mul like multiple um, fragments. You can make it into a woven, you can make it sublimated, you can make it colorful, you can make it black and gold, you can make it gold and black, you can make one side that's black and gold and you can make another side that's gold and black. Mm -hmm. You can make it with a player's face on it, you can make it with you know, script it's, writing, whatever. It's like, it's seriously like mobile, it's a mobile canvas. It's a mobile piece of, it's like you're walking, it can be, yeah. right? Like it's a, it's a mobile display. Yeah. Which like, you can say the same thing for like other elements of clothing, but it's kind of different with a scarf. It's like a, straight up like a painting, you can like. I mean, a scarf is really uh, unique in a way that it is 100% completely football. Right. right, it is 100% right. completely soccer. Like uh, a hat comes from baseball, whatever you can say. Like a T-shirt comes from just apparel in general, jeans, pants. Like you know, even like training wear, sweatshirts, and everything. That all comes from like, you know, gym, whatever it may be. But, but a, a scarf, scarf yeah. is exclusive to to, to soccer. So right. I think there's something about it that is very unique and magical. Yeah, and yeah. and I think it's almost like a flag without it being a flag. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah, so when you see scarves up, you're like, "Dude, I have it in my hand. It's it, it whatever message it has or whatever colors it's flying. Like you, it's it's yours. You know, you have it. It's very individualistic. You know what I mean? Do you but, get do you get to work on any of the scarves specifically? Um, I I had a little bit of input in the pride scarf, the one that just came out. Mm -hmm. Um, the a couple of the scarves that are gonna come out, which you guys will see soon mm -hmm. yes. um, and then making slight modifications with like let's say a vendor turns in a design for the scarf right. and I don't like some of the things I'll be like hey take this out maybe replace it with this or make this bigger make this smaller right. um, generally majority of the scarves I, I'll, I'll do that for mm -hmm. um, so if you like the scarves shout out to Ben Chu <laughs> yeah. I think that's it's something we just said about the scarf just now it's just like and this is something I think Luis touched on before which is football culture in LA has always been there yeah. And what you're talking about, like, the league saying, like, scarves won't sell as well because of the climate, warmer climate. Football culture in LA, it seems like it dominates or it's greater than even the temperature of LA, which is incredible. I think it speaks to the kind of conversation between the two of them and what LA represents, but it's like, people are really, because football culture has been around here for so long, it's like, of course they'll accept it, of course they'll buy it, because that's so much more... That's even more important than how hot you are in the day of. Right, right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very unique. I mean, there's so many things that are very bizarre and 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 sometimes unfathomable about LAFC, just as a club in general. Like even how serendipitous the club is sometimes with so many of the things that just kind of align itself somehow to the magical beings of however you know the universe works. And I think LAFC is a very special club because of that reason. Right, and right. So it does surprise me in a lot of senses that there are these unique things that go against the grain of what people expect. But then once I look back, I'm just like, oh, of course, that's LAFC, right? Like yeah. you look at the 3252 and you marvel at it every game. And then you have supporters that show up 150, 200, 300 deep to an academy game. And you're like, oh, my God. But of course, right, it's LAFC. You know? It makes sense that it consistently blows your mind. Right. Yeah, I mean, we are very, very consistent in the way that we continue to surprise not only each other, but the rest of 
the spectators of wherever they may be, whether it's locally, nationwide, or even globally. Yeah, so, right. I mean, I was, uh, and, and this is, I'm not, I'm not trying to, f- to flex it. I'm not trying to to put him out there like that. But I was just flex. having a conversation with Tom, like Tom Penn, recently. And flex. He, and he told me he was I just like, he's, I, was him, <laughs> I, was I was telling him, I was telling him, we, we were talking about the, we were talking about the the Tifo with Freddie Mercury, and he was like, we we're both just like kind of, you know, marveling at it, and then he was just like. Yeah, man. Like this, this whole experience, this club consistently surprises me. Yes. Like I'm consistently surprised, but and I think you see that top to bottom. So, shouts to Tom. Shouts to everybody involved. Dude, hell yeah! Shout out Tom. Shout out to freaking, freaking Tifa that came up. I we saw that that as like a vector PDF file for so long, and to see it actually come alive for me in video for you guys live feels incredible. And I just want to ask, like, if I can ask one more leading question to Ben is like, man, I was geeking out when Footy Headlines leaked our kit. And because I've been looking at footy headlines from college days to look at what the next United kid was mm, going to be, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. For you, was that a, a, an accepting stuff like from the global stage that this is this has arrived, or like what, what was that like for you to see like a third party website who's an authority on this to to look at that and be like, LAFC has their first kid, and we have we have the details. I think the biggest thing for me was hype beast. Hype, yes. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you guys, I'll tell you the reason why is because. For me, I'm a lot more aware of what happens outside of soccer culture than soccer culture. I see. Right? Because I'm aware a lot more of what happens on the field rather than soccer culture in in itself. So supporters and all those kind of things, I'm fairly new to a lot of those kind of things, you know. Um, But when Hypebeast posted it, I was genuinely, I mean, although, of course, like we submitted it, so we knew that there was always a possibility of that happening. Right. I mean, I've worked with Hypebeast before in streetwear, and they're extremely, extremely picky about a lot of the stuff that they post, right. especially in a relatively new sport like soccer. Right, they're to an them. authority, yeah, for yeah. sure. So, I mean, I think for them to post our first kit launch, um, I think it kind of really, really made me swell with pride that we're on the right, right track culturally. Right. Because I, I think soccer culture is extremely important. <clears throat> but for me, in or- I know that in order for us to all win at the end of the day, it needs to go beyond that. So then us having a feature in a place like Hypebeast, when I looked at it, I was just like, holy shit. And then the next one was 4-3-3. When 4-3-3 posted Bob Bradley's cap tilt, right. um, I was like, holy fuck. Like, and right. then it got like a million views in like an hour. And I was just like, wow, this is, this is crazy. This is just because we have our first manager. I mean, granted... Well deserved, sure. But for me to fathom that at that time was just very, very like I didn't even know things were possible at that time like that. Yeah. Well, I think on that note, let's take one more break. We'll get back into it with Dweez and wrap up with Ben. You're. And we're back. With <laughs> Dweez, you already know what it is. So, Young Sean is a company. <laughs> Incredible. It's a, it's a, Incredible. It's a, oh fuck. Yeah, Yoshan T is, is company out in, sexy tweez out in uh, it's past Pasadena. I'm not even sure what the neighborhood's called. I went out there once to their little tasting room. It's still like right next to it's right next to uh, what's that college? Uh, Arcadia. Yeah, maybe it's yeah. It's, I think it's in Arcadia. Um, San Marino. And. San I went Marino. out there and I San tried all their Marino. teas. 
And I bought the mild dongding, which is like one of Taiwan's <laughs> like most well-known, well-known uh, oolongs. And if you're a fan of oolong, this is like a nice little middle one. You want to take a take a adventure, try out try out oolongs. Maybe you've just been drinking Arizona iced tea your whole life, or Mike's sure, Hard lemonade iced tea. Fuck that shit. Uh, fuck I don't know Mike's what people hard. drink. No, I'm just kidding. I know some of you guys are out there. So all my tea heads, try their mild dongding. It's pretty good, and it's a local tea shop. You can go check it out. Um, but okay, Ben, what you're gonna do is you're gonna flip your cup. Okay. Um, I just you, flip you, it? Yeah, grab grab both sides. Watch Josh. Okay. I already did it. So you flip it, and then oh. you pull off the larger cup, which is your smell cup. Oh, I spilled some. I'm sorry. It's all good, dude. We uh -oh. got plenty the of precious mushy. tea. I'm sorry. Nah, don't worry, man. It's okay. not that precious. Smell that shit. Oh, this one different. A little nutty. <laughs> so then. I, uh, yeah. Maybe I'm just not cultured enough. It just smells like tea. <laughs> hey, sometimes tea is just tea, guys. We've done like 20 different versions of this, so I feel like I'm getting a little better. Yeah. Okay, I can smell it, but I don't really know oh. what that is. Yo, it's, it's okay. I don't I don't play the tea yeah. game like people play the wine game where you're like, hey, I pick up notes of this. It's this one's like, a little mild. Yeah. Close it, just, close it, just, it is what it is. You know? It makes you feel some type of way, or it doesn't. You might not futz with it. All right. You might futz no, with it. I mean, it. I, I like it. It just tastes like... Tea. Long tea, yeah. yeah. Well, Josh okay. is racist too, and he don't fuck with the dark teas. Yo, don't be like that, bro. <laughs> nah, man. Shout out my dark skin. He forward. moved on from fucking Hennessy. You're moving on. From, you don't like I the love dark Hennessy. teas. So, because I'm better than you, motherfucker. As much as I would like to have the rest of this pod be about tea, and I very much would like the rest of this pod to be about tea, um, I actually want to hear more from Ben <coughs> about a little something called FC Dorsum, which, like, I still only marginally know. Josh, yes, he's raising his hand. Could I ask what Dweez, as someone who proudly says you're not in the kind of streetwear lifestyle, all that lifestyle game, what do you think FC Dorsum is? And then I want Ben to figure out what that is. Wow, what do you, what a, do you think a, of that? That's a very, very good question. Now that puts me on blast. Dude, that's, um, this is exactly what it is. So like, <coughs> I don't really know because I, I hadn't looked it up. And then were bad we talking journalism. to Andrew? When were we talking to Andrew? Yeah, it's bad, very bad journalism. It's been brought up many, many times. We've, so we've you dropped like it you have up. Context but, a little bit. But the context is almost just like this thing that gets mentioned that you guys all know about, and I don't know what it is. And so uh, I think it's a, from my understanding, it's a fictional soccer club that like developed this crest, and then you design kits for it. Keep and going. Dorsum, yeah, a little more. A little more and Dorsum little has more. it has some logo of a moth-esque creature that has something to do with some meaning that <coughs> I don't know what it is, which mm. I'm excited to hear about. And I should probably just like pull up images of it because I do have a computer right here, and actually see what it looks like. Um, but I want to know more. Is my point. Um. Uh, <laughs> that's such a oh, it does say fictional football club, so it wasn't completely crazy. No, you're 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 right. Um, I think. But there's a lot more than kits on here. Yeah, God, I don't, I don't even know where to start because this is such a this is such a sorry to sorry to blow you up. Like no, that. no, 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 it's fine. Um. I guess it would be easier if you guys asked me a specific question about FC Dorsum. Okay, right, how did FC Dorsum start? Okay, um, FC Dorsum started when I was working at this company that was ran by a fucking, just a terrible f um, Am I allowed to, I'm allowed yeah, to yeah, say yeah. that. Um, all my views are my own, and it does not reflect upon the club or anywhere else. Were we working together during this time? No, we weren't. Okay. Um, I was just fucking working for oh, a the other fucking cut. piece of shit. Um, what industry? In denim. Denim. Yeah, fuck yeah. you, guy. In denim. Um, I just don't even want to say the name because I don't want to give him any kind of publicity yet. No airtime. No, no airtime. No air fuck, fuck that guy. Fuck that noise. Um, and I just... I, one day, me and Kudo worked there together. And then um, one day I had this 
like sudden urge and I was just like dude you know what like I feel like there's a void in in in, in the world of fashion and and we were always talking about like how is fashion changing right now like how is streetwear changing right now because it was like right at the cusp of the time where high fashion was starting to blend in a little bit with streetwear and you know people like ASAP Rocky were kind of pushing the envelope Travis Scott was out and there was a lot of things that were just kind of on the horizon that made a lot of streetwear brands puzzled and kind of left it really puzzled like a lot of the persona streetwear brands weren't working anymore you know whether it was about the rich and glamorous lifestyle a lot of that stuff wasn't really working you know a lot of the kids were more into PBR than nightclubs and a lot of people were smoking weed and doing house parties rather than going out to Hollywood and going to clubs so this the, the escape of you know, fashion was changing a lot into skateboarding as well too, and just kind of like that weirdo vibe kind of thing. You know, like sure. the anti-social social club and Let stuff your free like flag that. Fly. Exactly. Um, so then I was just like, dude, something's missing. And then it also made me really like feel like, dude, I wonder if there's any like soccer brands that are doing fashion. And then like other than the real like cheesy, very very obvious like having a face of David Beckham or like a soccer ball like swirling in a direction or like whatever <laughs> I just feel like there I just felt like there wasn't something that was there at that time either I feel like I all I can <coughs> think of is the life is good guy do you guys remember like the life yeah. is good they were like these little, little stick figures that would do like bicycle yeah. kicks mm-hmm. no I don't no this was like this is this was like so beyond even like the most insulting version of that that you could come up with but um yeah so then uh, I I approached Kudo, which which is the like the most trustworthy des- uh, graphic designer I know that I trust, um, and I said, hey, you know what? I think that we should make a brand that has that combines the world of soccer and 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 fashion together. But what we should not do is mention anything about soccer sure. or have soccer balls on our uh, t-shirts or players of soccer or anything like that. So then I was just like. And, and this concept already existed, if I'm to be honest. Like, FC Real Bristol with Nike, they, they did it. And then, you know, the guys over at um, Softnet, um, right, he, right. He, the creative director of that, you know, did that with Nike. So I was just like, hey, we should just create a fictional brand. And then we should just kind of really, really insert our own personal personalities and DNA and everything into it. And he was like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to start another brand. It's whack, whatever, yada, yada, yada. And then I literally, like had this conversation over and over again with him for like two weeks straight and I talked about like this is how deep I went with Dorsum I was going to create a fictional soccer team in a fictional league and I was going to hire writers to write fictional game scenarios that happened every single week and there was going to be wins and losses and draws and they were going to advance up on the table or lose and that was just going to be a tune in every week to find out what was going to happen in Dorsum who was going to score and then I even came up with this whole concept of a fictional starting 11 that was compiled of influencers, models, and everything. And they were going to play a position and I was going to have like player-issued merchandise specifically for those people in the starting 11. So it would be like Dweez. Dweez was a goalkeeper and he's a goalkeeper because of XX and X. And I would create certain merchandise that are specifically just for Dweez and release it as a player-issued merchandise. And I went into this Dude, whole I thing. love all of that to go on yeah Dude, this um, so that's some that's my shit right and there. then i talked to uh oh, yeah he goes into wormholes um, not as hard <laughs> as you but he goes down no there. i love it I, go on go on go on I, I i even like talked to a few architecture students and said hey i want to create shit. a stadium i want to do a rendering of a stadium let's create a stadium together i was going to create a i was going to create a supporter group and then have them show up to the first ever event. I was gonna have a press conference as like, and then hire f- like a fictitious manager that was gonna introduce the jersey and the starting 11 and it was gonna be like all sorts of crazy shit. And then Kudo was like, that shit is whack. <laughs> <laughs> 
Man, there's always there's always people out there killing our world building dreams, man. We dreamers out here. We keep going though. And then I was like, all right, fuck it. Well, what do you want to do? And he was just like, well, why don't we just get a logo first, you dickhead? I was like, all right, cool. So we sit down and I was just like, okay, like let's think of something. And he was just like, and 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 I didn't even really think of this, but he was just like, hey, like in order to hit the soccer ball, like what do you use? And I was just like, you use your fucking feet, you dumbass. Like, what else? And I was just like, no, like, what part of the foot? Like, if you want to hit it really hard. And I was like, and then, you know, me being me, I'm like, well, what do you mean hit it hard? Like, are we talking with a swerve? Are we talking about a top bin? Like, what? And then all this kind of, he's just like, dude, just the hardest you can hit the ball. And I was like, well, you got to hit it with the, you got to hit it through the laces. Like, you got to hit it with the top of your foot. And he was just like, okay, the top of your foot. So he goes on Google and he starts doing his research and he goes, oh, hey, here's a foot diagram. And there's a muscle on the top of your foot called the dorsum muscle, uh, the dorsal muscle. Mm-hmm. And then, and then he was like looking further into it. And then there was a dorsal muscle, and then there's the dorsum muscle. And then he was just like, I was like dorsal, dorsal. I was like, dude, we should do a dorsal city football club, you know. <laughs> and then he was just like, nah, that sounds too like passive. It doesn't sound tough. Let's do dorsum. And I was like, nah, dude, let's do dorsal. <laughs> and he was just like, and then he starts looking up the word dorsum. And then it also turns out to be a type of moth. A dorsum moth. So then he was just like, okay, dorsum is a moth, dude. And then I was like, oh, we can use that as a crest. And he was just like, see, I told you. And then so <laughs> we, we put it as a moth and all this kind of stuff. And then I was just like, oh, we got to add some stars on it, dude. You got to get stars. You got to get stars. And I'm like geeking out at this point because I'm watching it come to life. And then he was just like, oh, stars, stars. And I was just like, oh, well, how many stars? And I was like, well, I think it'd be funny if we just put like a fucking shit ton of stars because that means we want a shit ton of things, but we're not even a real team. And he was just like, <laughs> You're such an idiot. I was geeking I'm so out. I was, I'm so glad you had a kudo. I was geeking out like crazy. I was like, let's put 10 stars. And then he was just like, all right, relax. And then he was just like, all right, how about you read the five? And I was like, oh, dude, it turns out that a moth has a five-week life expectancy. So maybe a star could eat each mean for what the, each life expectancy. And then I was like, oh, and also like... You know, I don't know if you know this, but in the World Cup, and then like I start geeking. I'm like, World Cup, like, dude, there's this play- player named James Rodriguez, and like, dude, I didn't even know who he was, but then he killed it in the World Cup. Now all of a sudden he's like a famous player. So like, it's that short. It can be the four or five week life expectancy of a player that can make or break you. Mm-hmm. You know, you can disappear into a fucking oblivion and never come back, or you can rise into stardom. And I was like, dude, that's also the same as brands. Like, there's so many brands on Instagram now. Every, everybody has a fucking brand, you know? Like, and that could disappear in a matter of weeks or months, you know? And then so we were like, okay. And then I was like, and then he was like, what color? And I was like, dude, come on. Navi. And, and, and every one of my friends know that I fucking, fucking love annoying navy ass. I will literally buy anything that's navy blue. So I was like, dude, it has to be navy. And then he was like, oh, okay, that makes sense because moths come out at midnight. So then we'll cut, we'll use our navy as a midnight navy, and then that's how kind of like FC Dorsum as the concept came about, and then. And this is all before you worked for LAFC. Yeah, so this, this is when you worked way for before we worked for LAFC. Okay. And Advertising then, students, that is how a brand is put together. Yeah, when you're the right way, a, the right way. Uh, when you're an idiot, and then you have a, a have a really talented graphic designer back <laughs> to fuck it. Um, so then we through kicks to the pitch, um, we end up having a. Uh, we fly out to France for the Euro 2016. Nice. And then there's a, 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 a pop-up shop that a lot of these other brands are doing. And I start to realize that there's a lot of fictional soccer clubs out there, but they actually play soccer, and we're sure. the only ones that don't. So then that's when I found out about FC Gorilla. That's when I found out about uh, Bled FC. Um, 
Liga Tokyo or something. I don't know. Uh, all Nibble, Nibble crack. crack. All these other guys. And I was just like, what the fuck? You mean I'm not that smart? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh, these motherfuckers exist out here. <laughs> like, these fucking little bitches. <laughs> and then, um, so we got into that pop-up store as well, too. And um, What did you have in, in, in your kind of apparel at the time? We had two t-shirts, a sweater, and a, and a track jacket. And then, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really flex here, um, and this is for the sole purpose of flexing. Uh, Rio Ferdinand came by the pop-up store, yeah. and he really, really liked uh, some of the pieces from FC Dorson. But he was too fucking buff, so we didn't have sizes for his ass, because we were too underprepared. That's right. I actually watched uh, the Portugal semifinal, was it? Uh, with Rio Ferdinand at a random bar in France, and we talked. And Rolls Royce defender right there. Yeah, like, we we were there for like three and a half hours just chopping it. Goat. Up. Wait, what? Is, what the fuck did you talk with talk about with Rio Ferdinand? Dude? I didn't talk to him for three and a half hours. I was there in the same place with him. We chatted for about like ten minutes about Dorsum and yeah, how yeah. he was looking for something new as well too, <sighs> and how he was trying to take his five brand like he has a brand like five brand. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to the next level and he was just kind of talking to me and we kind of went back and yeah. forth about conversations did he rock with you about like how you're from LA and from America and how that's like kind of unique in terms of I mean, you're, you're, in, you're in France um, I, I mean I think he obviously knew I was American uh, we didn't really dive too much into the American cultural aspect I think but he was looking to do the same to tie American culture and I mean not American culture soccer culture with fashion I think he really realized that there was a void in that too so mm-hmm. that's how FC Dorsen popped off we had a pop-up shop out in Paris and then we went out to, we came back, regrouped, designed the actual like real, real line and took it further in. And then we had a pop-up shop out in Korea in the neighborhood that I grew up in and I went to elementary in. So it was a very special thing for me. And then Sam was there. Yeah. And, and I, Andrew Medina, right? Andrew uh-huh. Medina Shout was Shout out there to too. Andrew. Uh, another past guest of the pod, good yeah. friend of the pod. He was on the pod? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Listen to his episodes, bro. Oh, he's fucking boring as shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Honestly, you know if you get a, liquor, a little liquor and Andrew, he wants to shut the fuck up, so he's good for podcasts. Yeah, he always sounds like... Actually, no, you guys fucking hosted a podcast together. No, 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 no. We hosted a live radio show together. Um, Which is just a live podcast. He, he, he always sounds like he's been yelling for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of dick. Um, but yeah, that's how Dorsen started. But yeah, actually, yeah. Ben Ben did a podcast with for kicks to the pitch with with or er, live radio show yeah it was for uh dash dash radio, dash radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so dorsum now currently presently is like actively still coming out with new designs <sighs> oh. like how, how what's what's the deal with we need new shit to buy ben make uh, some shit i've been buying nothing but black t-shirts for the past two years because you fuckers we haven't done anything for a solid year i think the last time we did something was uh we had a collaboration with line hotel um no yeah that Oh, no, 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 no. We the did something with Nikki Sports yeah. uh, for the World Cup. We had a pop-up shop out in Koreatown in the bar where me, Jeremy, and Kudo have spent millions and millions of dollars drinking alcohol in. Um, that was the last time we did something. So it, we're going on a year now where we haven't dropped anything. But I can't say too much, but we are having a collaboration uh, in next January with a... The only thing I could say is we are having... A collaboration with a heritage brand. What? We're talking oh. Mitchell and Ness right now. What is so, so, no, so, so, so tell me, like, again, novice clothing novice who probably needs to be fashionably intervened upon. Uh, like, is it 
how difficult is it to run like your own clothing brand? Like, the, the, you know, you guys haven't come out with stuff for like a year. Is it hard to like, if you take that kind of gap, is it hard to like hit the ground running again with new pieces? And how yeah. do you come up with like for sure. time windows for when you're coming out with things? And like, how, you know, and you're you're working full time for LAFC, so like, where are the hours in the day to to keep doing that? I think, um, I mean, although it's a it's a very convenient excuse, it's extremely hard to do a clothing brand, especially with your friends. And then also to do it in a schedule where there's a new team that you're investing yourself into, like a new club and then a new career as well, too. So that's been like kind of like the biggest difficulty and challenge, right? Like being able to really, really talk about soccer, watch soccer, work for soccer, and then come back and then talk about soccer some more and then design soccer and then plan soccer and soccer, 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 soccer. So that's, yeah. That's been a little bit of the challenge, and then obviously finding that time, and, and, and just kind of like the motivation to finally get it up again. It's kind of mm. like when you have a messy room, you don't know where to start. All you have to do is start, but you're just looking at it, and you're like, oh, Or if you've fuck. been married for like 30 years, get it up again. Yeah. I mean, from like, again, I'm just looking at it. <laughs> See, I'm checking nobody, out the, nobody I'm checking out the website. dives into my fuckery with me. Fuck you guys. I mean, that's like a... Uh, None of us have All right, well, I'm just saying. I'm on the FC Dorsum website right now with whatever Slim is talking about. Sure. <laughs> and I'm, like, looking at this shit, like, if I imagine you coming up, working for Crooks and Castles, like, and you, like, having this idea, and even the way you describe it, this shit is incredible. Oh, and, like, the you. website looks amazing. You guys got all these events. You got all these, like, pieces on here. This shit looks, like... So it's just, like, where do you go from here? Like, do you do you... Are there like specific goals you have of like kinds of stuff you want to come out with or does it have to kind of come natural and come at like a, a pace you were talking about where you're not in the overload phase and you feel like you can be creative and feel like you can kind of like take a take a step back and look at where you'd want to take it is you know um i don't think we can ever treat a brand as a hey we'll do it whenever we want to you know mm-hmm. i mean there has to be consistency in anything that you do and i think that the fact that we lost consistency in this um is the is is just kind of like disheartening right i mean this is something that's very special to me it's very special to you know jeremy it's very special to kudo and a lot of people have invested in and supported us as well too so you know i think we just need to pick it back up um and and continue to do it as far as a specific goal i think the only specific goal that we have is to just put it out again and and get it uh, going again but i mean we always try to not force things um and we always try to be tasteful and and have personal ties to each design or with the way that we do things you know so you, even like uh uh-huh. sorry go ahead no go ahead do you write the descriptions on the website i do i do i, I write a lot of descriptions on yo check out fcdorsum.com to to hear what ben really talks like and thinks like all the time because that the description in itself after getting to know ben i was like before that i was like this guy's writing is crazy. Like, oh, yeah. the personality in it is like some weird, twisted fool. No, honestly, so much, before like, all this shit, like, all of it, Ben had a fucking fucked up blog called Loudmouse. Okay. Whoa, right, whoa, right, Loudmouse. Right. I haven't even heard that name before. I like the name. Though. And he would, li- like, it was just a fucking 
like blog of just shitting on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God that fucking website no longer exists, or else I'm sure that I would be judged by so many different. Oh <laughs> man, Dweez, you have? Can you? Can you? Pull I don't. Know, Dweez is just deep diving I'm, into the no, fucking website. So right but, now. I, but hey, man, I want to know. Like, I'm trying to put things in my cart over here, but it says some of the stuff I can't go in. Do you guys have some s- stock of some things, or is it? Is uh, it most of them are gone. If you if you want to read captions, just go on Instagram. Instagram is where all of our <laughs> captions are. Yeah. At FC Dorsum. Yeah, D-O-R-S-U-M. Uh, let's see, what else do we have on the docket? You know, I, Sam shared your long history together. I think my, my, my kind of first meeting with Ben, I came in as a fucking fan, dude. Like, that's straight up. That's what that's what it was. <laughs> of Dorsum. Of Dorsum, first. So you had heard about How did you hear about it? Just, I was someone who fucking wanted... You gotta Something go like bigger a than more down, more than soccer, or just stuff. a few pure yeah, tactics. Stuff like that, yeah. And LA and all that stuff. And then Dorsum was something that popped up, especially out of Koreatown. And I'm on yeah. the freaking email listserv, and so I get this this invitation to come to the Line Hotel, which I'm already like, this is a big fucking deal that these guys are in there. I come in there, and um, the, what Dorsum is, I think it's, the, the, and it speaks to, to Ben and Q, is, and even Jeremy, and Jeremy is like, it's an experience, dude. They rented a, what, you had like a loft in the Line Hotel? We had and the there was, suite, yeah. Yeah, it was a suite, and um, I walk in there, and I'm ready to buy stuff, and these guys have a captive audience. They do a slideshow of their history together for 15 years about where this brand is coming from, and I'm like, what the fuck, this is great. I just wanted to buy some clothes, and, <laughs> and I'm just hearing the history of how this all came together, and this entire like oral history coming together, and then at the end of it, there was like limited merch and then there's a laptop set up at a table and they're like, Ben's like, I'm, people who support this need to buy some shit right now in the car. I <laughs> <laughs> come through and a key, I, I, bought, I bought a tea from that day and Deech was the one who introduced me to you the first time and I was mm. like, dude, this, I've been a fan. Dude. It, so it, it was it, terrible when because like, that, that event happened, I think two or three weeks after I started working at LAFC and people at my work caught wind of it and came and they wait they knew way too much about me in the first three weeks because of that fucking slideshow <laughs> so, i mean if ben isn't anything else he is a creative bold motherfucker Hell like yeah. you said who the fuck would think to be like all right we're gonna gather a bunch of motherfuckers in a room and tell them how we like about my friendships yeah. <laughs> yo that's so crazy that shit to think about Hey, I'm not one for the internet, as those who frequent the podcast might know. <laughs> but if if there's one place to kind of have a little bit of fun, this this Instagram page is crazy. For one, you got my boy Pusha rocking the dorsum. So if he's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. Hey. And King Push is there. So and then I'm looking at one of the descriptions just just to give you guys a taste of what's Please. in there. Uh, we've got a gentleman rocking one of the dorsum tees with some flowers in the background, and the caption says, "There's a saying to give flowers." while they can smell them. But what if the flowers are fake and they can't smell them even even though they're alive? Even, <laughs> even <laughs> Wait, oh, I'm sorry, hold on. Wait, there's a, there's a saying to give flowers while they can still smell them. But what if the flowers are fake and they can't smell them even they're alive? <laughs> so there's nothing better. I, no, I, I just, I love I, it. I, I like I it. I like it. I feel more um, depressed after I see the Instagram and does that lead me to buy something? Because I'm like... <laughs> This is a weird worldview. Yo, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have Ben. Actually, I'm gonna have Ben shit. read this hey. one. Yes, please. Or ben, one of please you guys. read one of your captions. 
fun fact, if you have yellow skin, this will make you look like you are naked with no nipples, no belly button, and a neon sign on your left tit and back. Great for summer. <laughs> FC Dorsum. Hashtag FC Dorsum. Yes! So this is just great. Hey, look, I, look I can't wait till FC Dorsum comes back just so I can start um, examining I actually these. would like to read you guys one caption that never made it. It was supposed to go on the wall of our Nikki's pop-up store, and it never went up on there. Um, but I will ask you guys. I mean, I'll, I'll read this for you guys. I asked Celine Dion when her heart will stop going on and on. I thought that might stop the reception, recession and the stock market from crashing, but then I realized that there are a lot of stars in this universe like this one. That never stopped love from evolving from sticks to fishes, and ever since 86, Nikki Sports have been in business. The five stars above the moth helped Dorsum's first bath, but we're guessing the rubber duckies feelings were really hurt from the water draining. Thanks for coming. I don't even know what the fuck I just listened to. I know what I listened to. Gold, 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 gold. gold. You you Tupac reincarnated, dude. What the hell? Hey, and you, and since 86 is the name of last week's podcast. Oh, yeah. I I, I, I have to listen to it, yeah, for sure. Shout out to Louis. Full circle shit. What up, Luigi? Fucking up. What what kind of, what, I mean, are you on, like, kind of substance, or what kind of mood are you when you're writing these captions, Ben? Because, like, I look at that, I'm like, no one has ever talked about product in the way that you talk about product, dude, and it's incredible. Oh. His writing is twisted. Yeah, no, tell I know. I love it. That, I man. love it. We got I'm some twisted this. writers at the table. I don't know. I just, I just try to have as much as fun. Like, I mean, we always try to incorporate something very, very personal to a lot of our, like, you know, captions or our <laughs> yeah. designs. Yeah, and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Like, for example, like we have. Like, I vowed that we will never have a sale for FC Dorsum when we first started it. Oh, so the then for, like, Father's Day, like... Oh, my God. Pull up the Father's Day I, post. I, so for Father's Day, we did a 2% sale, and then, like, the promo code is, I have no dad. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it's because... I, I wanted to buy something on sale, but I, could, I fucking... I, I couldn't own that. And then it's because... Yeah, like, and then it's because I didn't have a relationship with my dad, so I... Like, so I, you're just cutting the vein right open. Yeah, just no, like he's pouring it over the Instagram. Bro. You know, they say like, no, you know, writing's easy. You just cut your arm and let the bleed fall. No, blood sometimes fall. I would find it extremely funny. Like when everyone is like in a group of circle. I, mean, I hate, this, hate we, when we, you do that. We did shit. this in Korea. Like it was with a lot of people that I've met for the very first time, and there was a lot of people around me that knew me very well. So then they were like, oh yeah, you know, like this weekend is like a holiday, so I'm gonna go and eat with uh, my family, and my and, and my dad is gonna cook, and I was just, and I would just be there, and I'm like, oh man, I wish I. I had a dad. <laughs> then it got really quiet. You're such a psycho. And then my friends would be laughing. And then everyone would be like, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Right. You right. know? That is an appropriate oh response. Right, 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 right. It's so fucking yeah. I mean, crazy. Or like, we, like we'd be, because if you've ever hung out with Ben and I, like, we're always arguing or like, t- like just putting, each- whatever, we're just talking shit. And we'll be arguing about, and if there's like people that, like he said, he doesn't know that are around, kind of just met for the first time, he'll randomly say some shit like, "Man, it's because I don't have a dad." <laughs> I'm, I I was in one of those experiences. I was so uncomfortable, dude. I I felt like I was like, "Oh, I'm so." And they I'm all sorry, think we're man. pieces of shit because we're cracking up because no, we know what a yeah, piece of yeah, shit yeah. you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that though. It's like it's just like you know what you just. You hit, you face head on with some humor, you go for it. As someone who has, you know, their own background father story, which I won't get into, I wish I did that more often, you know, just just try to hit it. But I do want to read this, I do want to read this, uh, 
this Please. caption real quick because it's incredible. Um, there's a photo of a father and a son playing, it looks like a PS2. It says the dad I never had sale, and yes, indeed, 3% off with promo code, you were never here. Sale. <laughs> <laughs> so it says, FC Dorsum, happy Father's Day, everyone. Although my dad promised me a Nintendo 64 game console and never came through, starting a chain reaction of events that led me to having a gaping void in my heart, we promised to fulfill our promise of our 3% sale to our fans. Without the joystick or the controller, I wasn't able to control the direction of my life, which will ultimately lead <laughs> to my demise. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. I don't even know. So it's straight up. I've I've known Ben for no, a few weeks honestly, now, but as, I've never known this side of Ben, and I love writers, this shit. You I guys would get it. along. No, you guys this got, is so good, man. Did it's a so deep dive on writing. It's so good, dude. Well, I it love was it. a true story. My, That's the whole. My, yeah, my dad. My dad really promised me a Nintendo 64. <laughs> oh my god. No, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. My dad really promised me a Nintendo 64, and 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 he didn't come through, and and I was just like, oh, like. These, you know, the 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 dad. Like I typed it on Google, like Asian kid playing with dad, and then that image came up where they're playing PS2. So I was just like, oh shit! I remember when he promised me an N64 and he got it for me. So then I just decided to write about that. I'm having a real rough time. With oh this. my I'm god, really dude! Day. Like no, Ben is. I think intense. I I I love it. I appreciate it, man. I, I'm sorry, I, does that make, I, I does that make you, you want to cop a cop a cop a jacket? What, 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 I, no, hey. I just I think look, man. There's something on some real shit. Just like some. Expression stuff It's like There's something about Just like Going direct at it And like Yeah he's like Doing it in, in his own way And like Expressing for himself But it's coming from A true place like I, I love said. it And That's there's something like favorite things About Ben and, it, and it's like It doesn't you, You're like half You're sad And you feel bad But you're laughing Because it's so funny It's just so abrupt It just like shocks you Out of regular yeah, life yeah. You're like Holy shit He just fucking said that You know like, this game, like, It's just like Everyone's trying to be polite Right You're like Around a table Trying to home yeah, so difficult time. <laughs> he's just like, yo, my dad like promised me a fucking controller. We're giving you guys a sale. Like, this is the truth. And like, I'm I'm just putting it out there. You know what's terrifying is that like, as a copywriter, I look at that. I'm like, it's all fucking effective copy. I'm like, the just the the mechanism of how you're writing. That, I'm like, this is all really fucking good writing. And it just fucks me up because I'm not <laughs> anticipating. I'm anticipating a sales hook. Yeah, and and, and all this comes. extra, and I'm like, what is this? I'm so confused. Do I buy more now? And I'm like, I'm, I don't think he wants us to buy because we feel bad for him. But like, at the same time, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I I sell fucking shit all the time, and I'm like. This no, is the most not, effective shit. Oh my I mean, I'm sorry. I feel like we got off a No, when he gets his writing no, bag, is crazy. All right, works. As we're talking about writing. We we talked about this last week, but Ben actually uh, wrote a children's book yeah, called I did. Monster. A monster, yeah. A monster. Monster. Just I've monster. Read it on your monster. Is it is it exist in the universe that I can read? Yeah, yeah. I have I have a few I have copies. A few copies. Left. Yeah. Um, oh man, it's Wait, a little dark. <laughs> it is. It is dark, especially in this this era. Yeah, you wrote that a long time dark. ago. I will. I, I will pur- purchase that so gladly. I, I'm so glad you have copies left. I don't. I want it, please. <laughs> Yeah, yes, I, me I, too. Yes, <laughs> I'm This is something that's been more common as more Asian American, Korean American voices have been on radio and podcasts and shit. But the idea of um, of Han of shared generational burden has been kind of in the ether. But like that children's book has carries so much fucking generational burden in it. So you've read it? I've read I've read it on 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 Ben's website. It's on there. The the full <sighs> PDF or, or whatever it is. And can I'm, we can we tell I'm people where that is? Uh. Or you don't want to put it out there I, like I, that. I mean, that's my, like, portfolio, so I, I'd probably rather it would not. All right, um, all right, all right. 
not to be not yeah, transparent, no, no, no. but yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, incredible. It's, it really, it, it, man, it, it takes such a crazy concept and it does translate it to, for kids to understand and to feel represented, man, in a weird way. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a very dark time in my life. Um, when I wrote that, I was a complete piece of shit to my girlfriend who I was dating at that time. And then uh, the relationship ended and then I, you know, was going through a really rough time. Like I had no job, I had no girlfriend, like a girlfriend that was there for me all the time, uh, decided to not be a part of my life anymore because of my fucking foolish and immature uh, behavior. And then I just felt like a piece of shit. So I just started writing. And then I wrote this like poem called Monster. And the reason why it's called Monster is because there was a kid in third grade named Bongju. His name was Bongju. It's like the fucking weirdest shit. And he shit in his pants one time. And, <laughs> and, and he had every single Goosebump books ever made to man. He was a huge Goosebumps fan. And he ordered every single one on Scholastic. And, um... Yeah, and then so like he always used to pronounce words really weirdly and then like he said he instead of monster because he would have to talk about monsters a lot because of goosebumps he would always say monster mm. so then that's the reason why when I went back to go and title the book I called it monster instead of monster because I felt like a monster but I just wanted to add like a humorous personal twist to it so I actually really looked him up to see if I can invite him to the book reading because I had an event for it and then he, I, I just couldn't find him hmm. as unique of a name that he had like he didn't have a Facebook or he didn't have anything like that wow was so. this one of your split personalities that came out or um, no I think it's just very I mean I think there are there are parts of it that gets exaggerated when I write about it right like right, when right. my personalities would get exaggerated but I think me being a a dark like uh like very realistic pers person about my own shortcomings that's always been me and you know that oftentimes works to my disservice but it also makes me a very honest person in a lot of senses um, you're never going to hear me talk too much about myself in a good way so I guess in that sense I guess it can be good I don't know but um, what made you want to write for, for, for kids is it, is it some kind of sh you want to share for the next generation what, what, what no um, it was never my intention to do so I just had such a tough time writing because I was so heartbroken I was just like I I don't even drink beer I was drinking like three four cans of beer every day because it was like the only thing I could afford at that time and I was eating like microwavable dinners and shit like three times a day like a dollar microwavable dinners so I felt shitty physically and I felt shitty emotionally I had no job and everything was just tumbling down no like I couldn't tell my mom anything like you know what I mean so I was just like um, so the only way I could write was to write in a very simplistic form right and like I mean I used to write like you know do music and stuff like that so I would, I would I just made it rhyme so then I just wrote like a long poem that just was very simple and easy for me to just write and be very succinct and then it helped me because it kind of made me not have to think so much about words and just really get to the point and then that's <coughs> when I was just like holy shit like I didn't mean for it to write it to a book I just wrote it in and I left it on my blog and then three years later I was just like hey I kind of want to have something I want to do something and then I stumbled upon that and then that's when it kind of like turned into a whole book I found an illustrator and then you know we talked about it and, and then it just kind of unraveled from there yeah did that I can't wait to see it yeah it's it's not that great dude it's just no, 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 it's, no, it's, it's very short too yeah 
nuts. But it's just the fact that you did it. And it's also the place it's coming from in terms of just like if it's if it's the same if it's the same spirit of like stuff that's that's on these these posts and just like you're just yeah I, I get the sense that you you're doing it from the thing I admire most most about writing and something that sometimes I lose focus with because I do because I write every day all day and that's how I pay my bills and how I eat and sometimes I lose. I lose the expressive part of writing right. because I'm always doing it for yeah. work. I'm mm. sure Josh can relate. Sometimes it's like you can't. You stop examining words like tools of expression, and you start examining them in terms of just like the Efficiency. mechanics of what they can do. Sure, right? Like getting a, getting a task done, handling a problem. Almost like it's they're more almost mathematical at that point, and they're distant from like what they are originally, which is just like expressive. Mm. And so I just love that like the place that you know. The place that you tapped into, and then how you're using you to express it's like it reminds me of the times where I do when I s- still get to write that way, like the feelings that I get from doing it. And so it's just it doesn't matter to me. Like I'm way less impressed if you were like, yeah, like I've got this like series of children's books that I came up with this concept and they're like bestsellers, and that was like what you did. Mm-hmm. I'd be less impressed with that than I am with like you taking the route that you took to do that and like the way that you even express yourself through Dorsum. Because like at the end of the day, without getting like super corny and like overly simplistic about it, like we're all gonna fucking die like pretty soon, and it's, it's you know. This is a dark tweeze. Dark tweeze is here, and and we'll be gone, and like, and like your shit's done. So do you really want to like spend all of your waking hours and like trying to like perfect some like marketable you know smart little thing, or do you want to just like say some true shit for once? You know, mm. sometimes it's hard like in the writing world to just like be able to sit down and just write true things because people don't want that people you know and a lot of people who write the checks and pay pay your bills will you know they want you to s- click certain boxes and expressions sort of not allowed so i think it's cool that you've like it pursued that to the extent that you have and i know that i know what it's like to be in the trap and emotional trap and not be able to like you know, be in a good place. You're doing it, and your 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 own memories of it might be like super mixed. You you know, you, you probably won't have the distance to be able to look at it the way I'm describing it right now. But I think it's fucking rad. Man. Yeah, I mean, I think you lose a lot of that the older and older you get because I think you start to kind of be a lot more conscious about what you're saying, your thoughts, and you kind of mature in a sense where you know that your thoughts are a lot of times fleeting. You know, it's not always permanent, and as much as you think it is, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many things that I used to stand for, or I used to not like, or I used to like that I don't anymore. Or I do like now. And, you know, when you look at that, you kind of start to realize, like, fuck, dude, I stood behind something so hard to the point where now if I go back on it, I look like a little bitch or I look Mm -hmm. fake, you know? And I think that being opinionated or, like, even, you know, that's when you say you live by the sword and you die by the sword. When you write a lot and you express yourself and you're on a public platform all the time, Mm -hmm. people are able to really, really, like, recapture or go back to or reference what it is that you exactly said or how it is exactly that you felt. Mm -hmm. And... What people don't realize a lot of times is that those feelings are fleeting. You know, they're never really permanent, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. no matter how ingrained you are in your thoughts, it only takes a one near-death experience or a walk in the park and seeing somebody, you know, completely in a different light for you to change uh, your views and and, and the way that you live and the way that you think. So, you know, it's really tough for me to be the same way that I used to, you know, and and it makes me sad in a sense because you do lose a certain amount of, uh, you know, um, that that expression that that freedom and that uh, candidness so to say but then again you also learn how to be you 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 become more aware of the fact that things are not always so permanent in the way that you think it is in the way that you say hey you're gonna die soon it feels great to say these things 
And then there's another flip side to that where it's like, you're going to die, so do you want to be remembered for these things? And it's always that struggle of teetering between those two lines, right? It's like, do I want to be the person who's remembered for saying whatever they want or do I want to be remembered for somebody who says everything that they want that other people want to hear and then you always dance between the two lines and somehow try to find a median and I, I, I think you know the older and older you get the more and more you lean over to how do I want to be remembered I think yeah yeah I mean for the most people I feel like yeah no and I think like the, you said candid I think that's like a good way to describe it like candid like raw just like you know People who are, like, artists, you know, you, you get to do that, like, you, you get the option of doing that, and I think all of us have followed hip-hop at different times, and I think we all can, like, visibly see when an artist that we love or had loved a certain album, they were, like, drawing from personal experience, and it was super real, yeah. and then all of a sudden, like, the next album, they were making the song for whatever, checking whatever box it yeah, is, right? Yeah, fucking like, Kanye. Yeah, fucking everyone, almost, <laughs> at some point in their career. And you know what? I think that that's something that I would love to kind of touch on, and and I think that that's Touch the, on that. Yeah, and I think that that's the reason why everybody fell in love with Kanye is his candidates, <coughs> right? So then let me just compare two cultural icons of this time, especially just in a different gender perspective, but in a very similar music genre, R&B and hip-hop, right? So Kanye West is somebody that we really respect for his rawness and his candidness and his just ability to be able to speak from the soul and create and create something very simple from a complex emotion, right? That's what's the beauty of Kanye West. He's able to simplify what your thoughts are to very simple, memorizable words in a good cadence, right? And then you have someone like Beyonce, right? Who is somebody that's like a role model who seems almost effortlessly perfect, but it is, is a product of hard work and, you know, has this really, really well-packaged life. And for me, it terrif like when I look at it, I think Beyonce is absolutely no doubt an icon and culturally going to go down as probably one of the best artists. Period. Best life whether that's gender, whether that's genre, or whether that's era, like I think she will go down as one of the best. And period. If you, if you watch that Netflix documentary, her ass is amazing. I, I completely watched Rocket, the music video where she uses all of her metaphors as her body. Mm. It's fucking amazing. She's I great looking. But I know you're Be listening. Beyonce <laughs> terrifies me. She is a terrifying character in to me, and I know I'm gonna get fucking slandered, slandered by this. So hopefully this never makes it to the Bay Hive or Beehive, whatever. She's it's listening called. right now. Dude. Okay, Beyonce, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to speak the truth. She is so well packaged and everything is so well calculated. It does not make me feel like what she's saying is honesty, even if it is. Right. And even in her honesty, there is a commercial, marketable pers perspective that she always has in that sense, right? Like who the fuck documents themselves in order for them to bring into full circle and say, okay, I'm gonna shop this to Netflix and make a gajillion dollars, right? Like when you have an altercation with your sister and your husband inside an elevator and you're able to come out like nothing is wrong and you're able to just say, okay, gotta do this, gotta turn it on. Some can say professionalism, but I can also say, wow, like where is the candidness? Like where is the ability for me to feel like, fuck, you're a human being too, yeah, yeah. right? But then when you look at someone like Kanye West, you're like, dude, you know what? You're saying it all wrong and you're presenting it in all the wrong ways, but I understand where you're coming from to a certain extent. Who doesn't know what it feels like to be overlooked? Who doesn't understand what it feels like to be underappreciated, whether it's at work, whether it's at family, or whether it's through friends? Who doesn't understand the feeling of neglecting a emotional disaster like your mom passing away? 
right? Or always constantly being in the spotlight and also even being depended on for always being this guy who's always going to say the right things candidly, right? And that society pressure builds up for years and years and years and years to the point where why did you marry this person? Why are you hanging out with that person? Yeah. Why do you make music like this? But then these are all things that Kanye West was praised for, like his ability to not give a shit about what other people think, right? Mm. But then and now, now it's like folded we're in fucking itself. crucifying yeah, yeah. him, right? And, and I get it. Donald Trump and him, all of those kind of things, no way excusable in the sense of what he stood for before. But him talking about freedom of speech and the freedom of being able to make his own choices and having that right... That is what he's always been about. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know how we got off tangent, but I, I no, definitely No, 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 I think to. it's on tangent. I think it's right on target. I, I think I just, and I, I get you. I'm, I'm a huge Kanye stan. I, I, I am too, but I mean, although he's really weird now, you know, but. Well, it's all like folded in on himself and the world that he exists in is not reality anymore. So he's not operating from a place that you and I or even himself probably can understand maybe it's and I think fucking, I can't believe Bill Simmons is bringing Bob up in the podcast again but he's like there's celebrities we give a lot of passes to for mental health issues and yeah I think Kanye obviously I mean the bipolar album right like he's, he's come out and said that like I love being bipolar and um, I hate it at the same time and it's like do we not give him the same pass because he's Kanye and, and all he said before and I think that's a fair enough point I think the way that you that I look at it as like all the things he's fought for and the freedom of speech that he's fought for and the freedom of thought he's fought for is it's is a certain sense being is in a certain sense he's it's it's it has kind of perverted on itself and it's it's turned on itself and folded on itself in a lot of ways. And just because he was always a person who championed even as a person who's been overlooked and the pe the, the downtrod and the people who are really fucking hurting out here. Yeah. And I think for him to kind of turn that into, because he he does have the wife in Calabasas and he does have the house now, like the what the majority of the people were, were hurting and really was uplifted by his music, now it it seems like he's not fighting for them anymore. And that's that, I think that was the biggest the biggest hit for me as a huge Kanye fan to be like, I think you lost you lost the script at a certain point, right? right. Well, it's, it's some, but it sometimes it even goes kind of back to what we were talking about before we got into Kanye and Beyonce, which is just like. Feeding, fe feelings are fleeting. Like the things you like now, you might not like tomorrow. The things you ride for now, you might not ride for tomorrow. Things get mixed up. You feel one way one day, and the next day you don't. And like, I think there's some of that can be attributed to mental health. Some of that can be obviously attributed to lifestyle and substances and going off certain sure. certain roads. But like, dude, you know, it's got to be a weird journey for a guy like that. It's got to be a weird journey. I mean, think of other big pop stars or figures, the Michael Jacksons of the world that yeah. like, you know achieved a certain level of something and and I don't know that I don't know that we can relate and I don't know that they can relate to themselves in those settings because there's no blueprint for how to like sort out all that and deal yeah. with that and I'm not trying to give him a pass either um, and I got respect you know a lot of the folks that I know used to like, like his music they just like I just I like him I maybe respect him in the past I just can't listen to him anymore I cannot listen to him speak like right. any more words I'm yeah. over it and I gotta admit like when I heard him on the Tyler album I felt that way when I when he uh, came along I was just like Ugh, you know like yeah, yeah. Igor would have been better without Kanye West, in my view. Um, but yeah, I've always loved his music, and I respect him as an artist. And I, I just, don't know. I never thought that we would like people would there would be a coming time where people were like, ah, Kanye's whatever. I never thought that they would come. It's kind of like almost like expecting Drake when somebody. I, I don't because Drake's been so consistent for so long. Yeah, it'd be hard for me to imagine a day where people are like, ah, yeah, whatever, dude. I'm I'm kind of over Drake now. You know. 
But I mean, I think, you know, I know this may be kind of like a stretch, but I think that that's, you know, kind of like bringing everything back full circle. I think that's what's kind of like interesting about LAFC too, right? It's just like you have all of these people that have this desire to express themselves, the, the, the platform where they want to be relatable, where they can relate to something, where they can stand behind something and be proud of it and actually really, really feel connected to something. And I think that's the same thing that Kanye West was doing a lot of times. I mean, that's what music does a lot of times as well, too. And I think that that's what LAFC does for, you know, the city of Los Angeles, where they're able to kind of almost really like say, hey, you know what? Whoever you want to be with us is OK, right? Like, cause, you know, we, I know Rich talks about it, you know, in, in his previous podcast where he was like, you know, not judging people and taking them for who they really are. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I ask myself this a lot of times where people in the LAFC community, how many times would I really stop my day if I wasn't a part of LAFC and really have an open conversation with them without any kind of judgments or passing a certain type of thought in my head where I'm like, uh, this person isn't for me. You know, this person doesn't know what I'm talking about. This person isn't relatable to me. But LAFC is the dot connector for all of those things. And I think that that's really beautiful because I have talked to people in different nationalities, in different jobs, in different places, in different lines of work. And we get to have this conversation and have this, you know, um, interaction with each other because of that reason. And mm. How many people can really, really say that about their teams in America? Mm. You know, not many. There's only a handful. And the handful that we do know are the ones that are very well respected already for the same reason, mm. right? I mean, like when you have somebody, like you said, who brings in a styrofoam skull to a meeting <laughs> in Germany, right? I mean, dude, you have to think about that. You have to pass through security checkpoint with the skull <laughs> throughout the entire TSA process. And then you got to ride with it on the plane and make sure you don't put it in the overhead compartment because it's going to get crushed, right? And then you also have to think about the fact that you're painting it and making it at home. And the fact that someone has enough pride in their pride and their and and their support to not care about not only doing that but for everything that follows up with that all the way after right or the people that are putting on makeup the people that are dressing in costumes mm -hmm. the people that are putting on wigs you have to understand that they have to get from point a to point B, which is the stadium. So however they're getting to the stadium, let's say you go to In-N-Out and you run into somebody with a blonde wig or a blonde mohawk or like a winged feather dress or a crown on the top of your what head. What up, Kate? <laughs> that's, that's, that's insane to me, right? Because I don't even like to sometimes go out in things that I'm not comfortable in wearing. And these are my clothes that I have in my closet. Mm. So the fact that we can have all of these things live together, like... It's an extremely special bond and it's, 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 it's frightening. It's almost frightening of how well we're all immersed together, mm -hmm. right? So then we talk about all these things where it's like, oh shit, like, dude, I saw this on YouTube, I saw this on YouTube and this is whack, this is this, you, you guys are plastic, you guys are fake and all those kind of things. Yeah. But like, how can any if, of this really be it, explained? You, yeah. Like, 
that's when I think that something is really real when you can't explain it, right? Like you ask somebody like, how do you know this person really loves you? And yes, you can take upon all the tangibles of saying, oh, I like this person when they snore. I'm still willing to kiss them if they have bad breath or I love them when, you know, they fail at school or whatever it is. But you just can't really explain why. You can't explain how. You can't explain explain those kind of things. So like when someone says like, oh, you're fake. LAFC is so fake. You guys have only been around for one year, mm. you know? Like, everybody loved something that didn't exist. Mm. And they took faith in something, right? It's like you, and, and this is like a very, like, well-repeated, uh, like, uh, example or a story that a lot of churches say. A person comes in front of a bridge, mm. I mean, in front of a mountain. Mm-hmm. And then the sign says, walk here. And there's nothing in front of you. You have to get across to the other side. Mm-hmm. And it says, underneath the sign of walk here, it says, there is a bridge, even if you don't see one, walk. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you have to do there? You either trust the sign and you believe and you take the leap of faith and you walk to the other side or you don't, right? You can't look at somebody who's on the other side of the mountain and say, oh, you're fucking fake. How did you get there? Mm. You're not, you didn't really get there. Like you didn't really cross this bridge. It's not here. You can't, you can't say that, right? Mm. So then like when I look at that and, and I think about it and I read all the social media chatter about how LASC is so plastic and it's all fake, I didn't give a shit about American soccer. You yeah. couldn't pay me to go to a fucking game. The only reason why I even went to American soccer games was because David Beckham was playing, mm-hmm. right? So if you can get me to actually work for a team, right, about a game in a country that I actually really did not give a shit about, like, it, there, there's just completely unexplainable things that are happening. Yeah. And, 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 that's, and that's love. I mean, that's LAFC, right? Yeah. LAFC is love. I mean, as corny as that sounds. No, I... Shit, he said it better than I could say it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I think if I could just add one thing, it's just this, this club's become a canvas for so many people's Ooh. expressions, mm. you know, and like, with that, and expression is the unexplainable, like things you can't explain, explain, right. you know, and those are the best things, and I think, hopefully, if this podcast now twenty episodes in or whatever we are, and all the conversations we've had with all the people. You get the sense that with every single person we've talked to, there is something about it that is also unexplainable for them. It's something somewhat magical, and I mean, yeah, it's the coolest shit in the world. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the fact that you guys have this podcast, and, and I'm only saying this because I haven't been as attentive to the other podcasts, and I'm sorry about that, about the, you know, the LAC podcast, and, you know, obviously I have a personal connection to it because of Sam and Josh, and, um, but you guys are uncovering what that expression is and where that expression comes from and how everyone's journey comes to this point of where they reach the canvas. We're not even touching or we're not even at the tipping point yet of what the canvas is in itself yet. We're talking about the journey and how they've come to the place of expression, right? They're gonna be able to tell the story about what they've achieved individually as LAFC LAFC members (coughs) and as a a fan and supporter of LAFC. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can say little things like, hey, I'm a capo or I'm, you know, I, I, I put on makeup and I represent for the team. I, I travel. Uh, yes, you can put all those tangibles there, but the story's not done yet. The chapters, the chapter just keeps going. The pages keep turning, right? So, I mean, the thing that I really appreciate about the fact that you guys have this podcast is that you guys are offering the platform for people to talk about the journey of how they came to express themselves or how they're coming to the journey where they're finding themselves to express, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I heard um, uh, Ray... 
uh, and Julio on this podcast. Mm. You know, I've listened to Pat. I've listened to uh, who else have I listened to? Um, tell me some more. I listened to Ray and all those guys. And if you look at it, there's really not that much commonality if you take soccer out of the whole lens of it. You know, yeah. you have a kid from Virginia. You have guys from Mexico. Mm. You have a kid from Koreatown. You have a kid from Cerritos. Mm. You have, you know, a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a copywriter who's from New York who happened to fall in love and stumble upon this team. Like, there's nothing that really bonds any of these people together so too much to the point where everyone would give each other the time of day. Yeah. Indefinitely. And then, like, the fact that you guys really, really uncover and unravel that, like, I think that that's an awesome thing. And, you know, it was, it was, it was awesome for me to experience firsthand. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, anything else, guys? We're good to wrap it up? Tea's dry. Josh looks like he's ready to go sleep. Sachi's playing yeah, the I'm shamisen inside. Hey, is that what that was? Yeah. Yo, I was like, what's going on out here? <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the FCFC pod. We appreciate y'all. Drive Thanks, safe. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Ben. Oh, ben. wait, wait, hold wait. on. Yep. I, I do want to say it. something before I leave. Yes. I am heading to Madrid tomorrow hey. without a ticket to the Champions League final. Dude, this isn't going to be out before the Champions League I know League that. Final. Okay. But then <laughs> I'm going to be able to talk about this because I'm going to be at the game and I'm going to yes. get in somehow, hey. some way. And then Dweez is going to be able to say, hey, good folks of FCFC Pod. Today we talk about no, FC we're, Dorsum. We'll have you back on to talk about your journey of how you got Ooh, that ticket. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how we'll wrap it up, guys. We're going to have Ben back on and talk about that journey. Um, we appreciate y'all listening, man. Have a good one. Peace. Even your claps are off right now. <laughs> good people of Los Angeles. Tonight on the FCFC FSA FSA podcast, we have the one, the only, Benchy of LAFC fame, of Dorsum fame, of formerly of Kicks of the Pitch fame, of Koreatown fame. Man, Slim, we get into a lot of great stuff on this podcast. We got choppers overhead, as always, coming through for the intros. They don't care if we're doing the intro. They don't care if we're doing the most important interview to date. we, you know, we drink some tea, we drink some tequila, we talk a lot about, I mean, everything from children's books to the fashion side of things, how, how some of these scarf designs come up, the limited edition stuff at the LAFC HQ, ton of stuff, inside stuff on how all of that works on, on the fashion side. And Ben was just, I mean, he brought Josh a gift. This has just been a great podcast, great night. Great night. Um, and as usual, guys, like we said, we are in the backyard, Ghetto Birds. We're kind of in heavy rotation today, T- today, tonight. That was a weird combination of the word. Um, and as usual, uh, we got potty mouths on the pod. Uh, me and Ben, we like to cuss. We had a little sprinkling in from Dweez and Josh, too. I'm just keeping this intro going a little longer because Josh looks so fucking sleepy and miserable that I just want to keep him here a little longer. Hey, you know what I realized? Potty mouth. Potty mouth. Oh, pot. I know, I'm the worst. All right, that was terrible. Hey, guys. (laughs) Cut that, Sean. Hey, what what the What the fuck? (laughs) FCFC. FC, 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 FC.
FCFC. 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 FCFC.